This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on it so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. I just wanted to see how long it would take you to Hi. talk. Hi, Christine. How are you? How are you? Oh, you know, 30, 40, thriving. How are you feeling? I, fuck, I knew I, I knew it. That's why I paused. I had an intro I was going to do and I forgot. I was what like, was I it? Knew... Okay, let me, let me try again. Oh, God. Okay, let, let me try again. Okay. M, you look old. Different. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How long you were you working on that bit? <laughs> it only took me a few hours while I, I couldn't sleep in the middle of the night. I thought you were gonna like play like the music to like the Crypt Keeper or like no. something. <laughs> that would have been good. I was just gonna be like, you look. I was gonna say like something. I forget. I had it all planned out. Obviously, it went down the tubes. Um. Well, I do look different. Uh, the day I turned thirty, I now have a white eyebrow hair I, so. I did see that uh i am i didn't see the eyebrow hair i did see the post about the eyebrow hair and mm-hmm. um i am sorry but uh you know what hey the worst is over right like now you're fine oh sure 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 yeah the worst definitely sure, um yeah I'll, i don't know if it's the worst for you has only begun because now i can officially start complaining about turning 31 so but that's um, that's you it can't never ju- ends you can't just do you. that every year that's so annoying you can't just you can complain can. about the big ones I can. And I might. I don't know. I like to keep you on your toes. We'll see how things go. Depending on my mood, I'll just ruin everyone else's mood and just be like, ah! How was your birthday? This has to be a positive topic, right? <sighs> it was a positive. It is a positive topic. Um, Overwhelming. But like, exactly. That's overwhelming is a good thing to me. Yeah. Often, so <laughs> it's a lot. I feel like your birthday was incredibly low key and mine was as extra High as ever. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like so I'm watching Selling Sunset right now and like a season ago one of them got engaged and she brought like a zebra to the engagement party oh, and that's that's kind God. of like the level of unnecessary it I'm always aspiring for. And I it it's a Linda literally bring like horses to your or zebras or something to one of your parties. Isn't that a thing? She brought horses to um my th- I like it was like one of those pony ride situations, but she she and I'm sure I appreciated it at the time, but I was literally so young. I don't even remember it. So it was kind of for nothing. Sorry, mom. Photo 
I, I mean, I feel like parents... literally no photos. For all I know, she's fucking lying. But whatever. Oh, she could just t- wait a second. I'm going to do that someday. Oh, yeah. I rented out the whole zoo for you, Liam. You just don't remember. And my phone wasn't working that day. So. <laughs> well, so my mom actually, she does have a record of lying to me on my birthday because um, when I was three, we lived in San Francisco and we did live right next to one of the studios where they shot Barney. So I was like one of the luckiest fucking children on Holy Earth at the time. Holy shit. And I, if I said like, oh, Barney's like across the street, I wasn't totally lying. I, we were pretty close to like uh, whatever studio it was that they shot for a while. Um, and my mom, for my fourth birthday or my third birthday or whatever it was, um, she was like, oh, we're going to have Barney come over. Like just stroll on over after his like nighttime walk through the streets, I guess. What? And, and they were like, well, he just lives right by. So he's just going to pop on over. And it ended up, of course, being some guy in a, a costume. And the costume, by the way, in hindsight, the, like 20 years later, the pictures are horrendous. Like the, it was the cheapest Barney costume they could have found. His head was like half deflated. But at three, I was convinced. I was like, this is the real deal. And I my mom had had me believe it so well that she couldn't back out of the lie. And all the way until I was like in high school, I thought it was the legitimate Barney that she hired. So oh for all I know, my God, you were one of those people that in high school was like, no, I swear to God, like somebody famous. I know somebody famous. It's Barney. <laughs> yeah. We, we still text. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, so for all I know, the horses were not real, but Allison this year, uh, delivered on my 30th. With and the all zebra. The right, was, no, not, not with the zebra, but I, I cried a lot. I wow. cried a lot. Yeah, she made it pretty darn emotional. Um, so she did a good job. And then good. my mom uh, made a had everyone I think I've ever known on Earth send in a video wishing me happy birthday. And then it was literally like a feature film length. So. I was wondering because I sent in a video <laughs> and it was like time. three or four minutes like just you know like a cameo length of video and uh, I almost thank you linked, for your cameo <laughs> you're welcome I almost linked your mom to my cameo and then I was like that's not funny uh so I did that's my hysterical <laughs> if it had the little cameo watermark on the bottom she would have <laughs> lost my mind she was ready to kill me anyway because mine was so delayed but um I I did my three minute four minute video and then I was like oh my god if everyone is submitting and I had to like edit mine down to make sure it was like shorter I'm like if everyone is submitting one of these it's gonna be like several hours long this video well it was our generation was not the problem as you can guess it was all the people <laughs> who own phones and have never done any version of video uh <laughs> quality control um because they were just they were given no time limit they were given no landscape or portrait they were just they were riding on the devil's flames and they just so i had an uncle who talked for i think 15 minutes oh my goodness (laughs) i I apologize because mine was so freaking long it was like three minutes long and i felt so bad everyone our age understood the assignment i think it was very i'm very grateful and i don't want to sound like i'm not appreciative but i was like wow i really wish some of them got some more rules sent to them (laughs) i feel like this is one where i almost again texted like landscape or portrait and i was like okay i don't think linda i think she no. would have specified if this should be important. like if you want to send a portrait of you at a landscape that'd be yeah great. yeah 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 an oil portrait maybe um <laughs> oh boy well i'm oh. so happy you had a happy day and a happy weekend i did have a happy day and i maybe we can talk about this more in our bonus episode afterwards after this 
Um, cause I do want to give you the details on the birthday, but my story is a little long, so I don't want to be that person and make it as chaotic as last episode. Okay. So you should we saying? both give our birthday stuff next or in the aftermath? Cause I want to talk sure, about mine a little I, bit. I want to ask about yours cause I oh, saw oh, pictures, oh. but I don't, um, all I know is like what you texted me, but I kind of want to, um, hmm, play detective and ask you too many questions. Oh, well, I, yeah, I don't want to like take up time, but I just want to give, um, a little, a little credit to blaze. Cause he worked really hard on it. And, um, he you also want to tell had... everyone what he did. I don't, I didn't mean to like shut you up. I was just saying, for no, my... no, you didn't. I just realized we do talk. Our birthday episode already was so freaking long. So I don't, uh, <laughs> want to overdo it with talking about ourselves, but here we Why are. Why not? Oh, wait, hang on. <laughs> um, no, so he, well, first of all, I want to admit something to you. I have a confession that has nothing to do with our birthdays. Which I don't is, believe you. What? Uh, I, you know that coffin candle? I lit it before we recorded. But to appease everyone, I took it off the shelf and put it on the table. And? Um, what? This is, it this fell will over? This will show you how good of a listener I am. As what? you were telling, like about halfway through your story, I looked over and I realized that when I had shifted and moved my microphone, I had swung the back of my microphone directly into the flame. And I was like, what's that smell? And then I looked over and the plastic was like melting off of the microphone stand. Um, and I just Christine, kept listening to your story. So <laughs> honestly, I appreciate the, hmm, I don't know if loyalty is the right word, but certainly the... The dog to a squirrel uh, <laughs> a, 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 a attention? I don't know. I appreciate your I've undivided attention, undivided. I guess. Undivided. Uh, and I just noticed that it was, like, dripping. So as soon as I made sure nothing was, like, fully on fire um, and everything had calmed down a little bit, I just kept... So it's still... The candle's still going strong, um, but I had She's to move cooking. the microphone out of the way. Uh, sorry. I just wanted to also, point that out. I know that room has white carpet. That's a bold move with a black candle. <laughs> That's to have knocked it black... over and almost caught so, so many fires with it. Okay. Wow. Yeah. We're going to get some. Oh, man. I see. I was just trying to appease everybody by putting it in a stable surface. And then I swung my microphone stand directly into the flame. I love <sighs> you. <laughs> <laughs> this. I don't know of all people why I was allowed to move into a house from the 1800s. Like, this is just You're going to be the reason that house doesn't exist anymore oh, one day. There's, no, they're either going to no. make it into a museum about you or in, like, a ball of flames. You'll just exit that home and take it with you. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. I promise I'm very usually very conscientious about. I promise. People are not going to believe me. Um. Anyway. Okay. So my birthday. It was really lovely. And uh, Blaze woke up with a baby, which I was like, all right, this is a perfect birthday. <laughs> You've already you know done what? enough. 10 out of 10. Um, but then he, I guess, went out. So the other thing is he had the baby with him. So it was a lot more work than just if he were doing it by himself. So he went out and he and the baby got picked up donuts and ice, my favorite iced latte. And they brought those to me in bed when I woke up. And then they took me out to brunch at one of our favorite brunch spots. And was, it that, what's, was it that bagel place you always take me to? No, it was um, Otto's, which I also took you to, I think, once um, mm. with Eva. Oh. That's where Is you got the, the place? hot brown thing. Aha. Uh -huh. I thought, okay. We sat nope. outside that day. Yes, I do remember that. Um, and then we went around and did a little shopping in the neighborhood. And then we went home. And then at 2 o'clock, he was like, okay, you got to go because you have a massage and a facial scheduled. And I was like, Aww. what? 
And so he sent me to do that, which was really, really, really nice. And then, um, and weirdly enough, the night before, I was like, can you rub my shoulder? It hurts. And so he was like, thank God I booked that. (laughs) It's like, Uh, well, I planned famously well. (laughs) Yes, he did. He was very surprised. And then I came home and he had like cleaned the whole first floor, decorated everything, got me like number balloons, you know, Um, bought a cake from Bon Bonnery, which is like the same as our wedding cake, Um, had like bought a bunch of snacks and food and drinks. And then um, my family came over and my brother came over and it was just really fun. And um, then he put the baby to bed and we all played games and drank and hung out. And he gave me a card that I showed him, which said uh, on the front, it said one year closer to death. And he like hand wrote it. And I was like, that's a really dark thing to do and he's like open it and so on the inside it said cab for cutie because he bought me concert tickets for next month uh to see death cab so nice anyway it was very lovely and chill and then this week the card by the way also looked like it was straight out of like hallmark it was very well done oh well he'll be very pleased to hear that um but yeah so that's all it was really fun and easy and chill um and then we both slept in and the baby kind of let us sleep in, which was nice. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, we slept in and the baby like took care of herself. <laughs> no, no, no. I slept until uh, 7.30, I should say. Not like Ugh. super late. And then I went and took a nap. Um, but yeah, so then I think this weekend I'm going to have some people over to play play games and drink and do like more of like a big group of friends type situation. So nice. anyway, it was great. Um, you were You will be sorely missed, but I know you don't like board games. So I think you'll probably be okay. Honestly, it's a gift to me to not be there. Um, <laughs> You're which, welcome. Like, I'm like I'm. I sure would love to be in a room with you, but doing that is not what I want. <laughs> uh, but I hope you win, and I hope you get so competitive your eyes fall out or something. I don't. So. I'm not competitive. Like I don't know where you came up with this idea that I'm compared so to me. You're competitive. I guess. I guess. I guess so. I just like to like have something to do when there's like a bunch of people in a room. I like to have something to do. So it's not like, so we're all just staring at each other. Well, yes, that's not my vibe, but I'm glad you found your vibe. And I'm glad that we uh, live on opposite sides of the country when you feel in the mood for a board game, which (laughs) is always, (laughs) which is always, (laughs) Uh, but no, I'm glad you had a, a chill birthday. I, would love to want a chill birthday. It sounds so pleasant and, and relaxing. And I unfortunately just drag. Want a zebra. I want a zebra and I want yeah. one in every room and that's fine, I think. We'll figure it out. Anyway, <laughs> tune in later if you want to hear all the things poor Allison had to go through in the last oh couple of weeks. Oh my gosh. All right. Ah, but uh, yes, and also tell Blaze if he could teach me how to make cards like that. I really am. It was a very lovely card. Aww, <laughs> I was well, like, he made that? Apparently yeah. you, your, your sister-in-law gave him a, a kit or something? Yeah, she like made a kit. So she she's very like oh. crafty. So she made like all, she like cut out all the cards, like pieces of paper into cards and like got him like stamps and, you know, pens and marker, like stuff like that. And uh, basically you, gave him like a kit to make his own cards for Christmas. I was going to say, you know what's craftier than being crafty? Making your own craft kit, kit for other people I to know. be crafty. Teaching someone else how to be crafty. You know, it's like you teach you teach a man how to you give a man a, a card. You give a man a birthday card, he can read it. The end. <laughs> <laughs> for okay. the rest of the parable, listen to our after show on Patreon. <laughs> this is a stupid show. Delicious. Thank uh, you. Put that on a birthday card, Blaze. Are uh, you listening? Blaze. 
Okay. Give a man a card, dot, dot, dot. Okay, wait. <laughs> Someone put that on a card for Blaze one day. Wait, that's so cute. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department love that thing and that's why we drink listeners can get 15 percent off their first order at burrow.com slash drink that's burrow b-u-r-r-o-w dot com slash drink for 15 percent off burrow.com slash drink did you know fast growing trees is the biggest online nursery in the u.s with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the u.s you can grow lemon avocado olive or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of house plants available fast growing trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days and along with their 30-day alive and thrive guarantee they offer free plant consultation forever i am so thrilled that we are working with Fast Growing Trees. I spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden. Um, they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac and so I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Okay. Here's my story. And also, uh, fingers crossed, I will say, well, not next week. Next week, I'm going to be home. But the week after that, we might be seeing the troll hole soon. <gasps> it has been a, a long time coming, folks. I know a lot of people are probably like, oh, yeah, that fucking thing. But um, it's real. And I it's, can't wait. It's halfway there. It's just, just so you all know, I don't have any more intel than you do about this troll hole. So. Mm -hmm. I'm just That's as true. excited. I want I want Christine to have the reveal um on the show. So poor Christine has also not heard about any of the headaches I've been poor dealing with. Poor Christine hasn't heard about all my complaints. <laughs> she must be suffering. Woe is you. Um but anyway, expect in the next few episodes a uh, maybe a troll hole appearance. If everything goes well, we've got some deliveries coming in this week and if they don't work out then everything I said is a lie. Um cool. Anyway, you know, the mystery's there. The usual. So here's a story that I've never heard of, and I'm very excited to show it to you. Um, it was 
it was the thing that always ha- I don't know why I can't like read the room yet but I thought oh this is a really quick and easy story and then around like eh, one o'clock I was like I should try to do a- some deep diving oh, and then no. I found I'm not kidding like 13 hours of things like oh, 13 no. hours of interviews and podcasts and shows and it was 1 a.m and I went oh, okay here we go <laughs> here we go um so this is the story of the Becker family haunting, which is not the name it usually goes by, but that's what I'm going to call it because it's uh, it's little tagline I wanted to save after I said the Becker family haunting, which is this is the story of the first televised exorcism. <gasps> Whoa, what? what? And it's a two-parter, so... <gasps> well, you know. no shit after 13 hours of video yeah. footage or whatever. I... I don't know how many other podcasts have covered this. Um, I'd like to think we're about to be one of the more well-researched versions because my brain is still rattling around from all the... I could probably recite this at a show and tell at this point. I know Ooh. way too much about this story. And then in two weeks, you're going to be like, the what family hunting? <laughs> <laughs> I know. So uh, the Becker family, if you listen within the next like 14 days, I might remember you uh, if you were wow, to... Wow, what a compliment. If, if you like it, I would. I, I hope that, you know... The Beckers are still around, and they seem to really appreciate when their story is told accurately. So, oh, I don't know. good! If you're around, hopefully you like it. Um, okay, so this is going to be a two-parter because I really went from finding nothing to finding everything. Right. And the reason that this even came across my uh, consciousness is because uh, there's apparently a movie coming out about this. And all of the like deadline articles and um, like screen rant articles, they're all really not giving any information except a movie's coming and it's about the first televised exorcism <gasps> the end. Ooh. And so I thought it was going to be super quick because every article I read had like very minimal information. And I was like, how is there literally something called the first televised exorcism and there's not a single Google link about this? And it just became very clear to me that it was all audio based there's really few articles and it's all interviews so um if you want to learn more about this i hope you're on a road trip or something because you're not going to find any reading material out there or i hope you have a really really big open floor plan and can just vacuum for hours (laughs) you know that's what i I hope hope you you. have a whole mansion of dishes to do and It's the saddest wish I've ever had for you, but yeah, you wow. know, you've got something to do now. What's that thing you said earlier? Woe is you. Woe is you. <laughs> Don't I know it? Um, okay, so here we go. The Becker family. The couple is Edwin and Marsha. They lived in Illinois. I forgot to mention the year is 1971. Okay. Um, Illinois, I think, if not Chicago proper, just outside of Chicago. Um, Edwin and Marsha, they've been married for three years now, young couple starting life and being all happy and they are expecting. <laughs> and at the time back in the seventies, landlords could kick you out for a lot less. Um, and so basically this landlord heard that they were about to have a screaming, crying baby and went, you're goodbye. You're <gasps> out. Oh no. And if one of the sources is accurate that i read then they got kicked out when she was seven months pregnant (gasps) so they had like a hot 60 days to find a place yikes um so i guess 
this is from the same source that they had been looking for a month and didn't find anything. So now they're getting super desperate and they can't find anything at all until they find a listing in the paper for this house that is in air estate. Mm. And so it was a two flat, which is, I think just another word for a duplex. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess Edwin's thought was, oh, well, we can buy it. We can rent out the first floor. We'll live on the second floor. And that way we're making some income while paying off this house. Mm -hmm. And so he goes to the house. The house is like in desperate need of repair. It is physucked. It Mm. is either incredibly dirty and or it has been ransacked by the previous heirs who were like tearing up upholstery looking for hidden heirlooms and hidden money what Um, the fuck it just looks like a complete mess and i guess it wasn't in like the best neighborhood either so it already like kind of gave an odd vibe um and so as they as edwin walks in for the first time with the real estate guy to check out the house before he says yes although he is desperate and optimistic that he can make it work so he's pretty much ready to say yes as soon as he walks in um he's looking around this like dirty old house ripped apart by like the furniture is all fucked up and they walk in to the main hall the main hallway on the first floor and out of the bedroom walks in this old dirty unhinged clearly mentally unwell woman what and i guess she was i guess the real estate guy was showing the house before they'd all officially moved out and so the woman that walked out was the current and final heir to the home no and i don't know if these names are changed for protection but in in this story we're going to call her myra okay and she walks out and she's very dirty very disheveled she looks very scary like she looks like she's like maybe a dangerous person and the she's holding with her a dog a poodle that clearly has fleas is also dirty Mm. um edwin even said they never figured out if the dog was white or gray because it was just so dirty and this woman is flings the door open as soon as he walks into the house and starts cussing him out with the real estate person there and is saying we don't want you here get the fuck out we don't want you here and but she's saying it in a very scary way where edwin called her quote rabid and filthy with her language okay with her language he does um just to like also back edwin up he in many interviews is saying she is mentally unwell like this there's a mental illness issue for sure yeah but um in terms of calling her rabid and filthy i think it's more like her language because it really jarred him he was like i'm an altar boy like i don't like this is not normal and so for can i ask a quick question yeah sorry i don't know if we know this or if you're gonna say this but like was the house being foreclosed on I so the vibe I got because I am gonna say in like two more bullets that he met a few of the currently living heirs and none of them seem to be able to agree on anything. So I'm thinking oh. they just couldn't handle fighting over the house anymore. So they were just like get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see, I see, I see. That's the vibe I got. But also, for all we know, they knew the house was haunted and they wanted out of here. I don't totally understand. Um, it could have been foreclosed i they really didn't really get a okay. solid answer because it sound like they're kicking this old lady out almost yeah it does um and but so anyway he is very very jarred by her mm. 
he so she's cussing at them and the real estate guy who i guess has dealt with her before uh starts <laughs> cussing back at her louder and meaner and oh, then good. he and then he looks at edwin he's like we've tried everything else this is literally the only way we can don't worry i'll handle this <laughs> it's <laughs> like we've done everything else the all we've got is just screaming back until she backs down jeez yeah and so i guess myra was the last family member living there so the she her her family was the original builders and owners of the home and i guess it, it just kind of stayed in the family and she's now the last living family member to be there but she's only one of five of the heirs mm, okay um and i guess the other heirs didn't want the space so as they walk around um edwin this is when edwin's seeing how in like horrible condition the house is clearly ransacked for heirlooms and edwin even says that the rooms uh in hindsight, one of the earliest signs he could have seen of this place being haunted was that the rooms were weirdly cold, but he thought of it as a bonus because the house was so old that it didn't have central air. And he was like, uh -huh. that kind of works. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. Also, remember, he was desperate and willing to make it work. So I think he was putting positive spins wherever he could. Sure, makes sense. He also said that the house may have had a creepy feel, but he also said in a bunch of interviews that he kind of came from like a, a broken home and lived in a few not so great areas. And so this felt no more creepy than any other place he'd been. Yeah, I get it, buddy. I'm like, no AC? Well, the ghost will keep me cold, I guess. Exactly. And you're like, I've literally lived next to a graveyard my whole life. So like, what's... <laughs> and that was like peak quality home you know like right. that was like when yeah. i was at the tip top <laughs> the tip top uh so he also so the house is kind of creepy but he's fine with it the house is kind of cold but he's fine with it myra is a whole other story because she's currently living there and he's trying to buy the place and yeah. so he part of his like contingency with them was like i will buy this place if myra is out of here because the last he's agreeing to buy the place before his wife has even seen it because he's just so desperate. And also yeah. at the time he has said that he's gotten guff for like buying a house without like checking in with his wife. But his argument is like at the time, a woman's signature on a mortgage meant nothing. So like she didn't need to be there. And she had said like, just she go get us a house. She was also very pregnant. She was also super pregnant. Like, so, <laughs> okay. She, uh, so I think he was like, I was just, if I could find a house, I think she was going to be fine with it. We were yeah, so desperate. A roof. Um, and so he said, Myra needs to be out of here before my wife moves in, because if she meets her, she's going to be so frazzled and freaked out. She might back out of this, which yeah. is like for as desperate as they were, he was worried that she would leave because of how right. scary and dangerous this person felt. And so basically <laughs> during closing, they said that, OK, we'll get her out of here before you move in. Um but during closing, Edwin saw the last five heirs of the house kind of figuring out last minute things. Um, they all had their own individual attorneys. They all clearly hated each other. They were fighting over small things like pictures and $2. And um, it was just obviously a very silly mm. situation. So <laughs> Silly, indeed. <laughs> very sad, silly. Um, and so the other heirs go over to Edwin or maybe the real estate guy. And they say, we're having a really hard time finding a place to take Myra in. Uh, can she stay here for at least a few months no! while you're here months. And here's the thing. Or so it was 90, one interview. He said 90 days. One interview. He said 120 days. That's um, many months. That's many months. And so what Edwin did was he used a to his, baby coming. He used this to his advantage because he actually was going into the house and didn't have, enough money to close that day and he said if you pay me to keep her here 
then I'll keep her here. And also he was able to then be able to afford all the closing costs. Right. That day. Oh, well, and I guess they have that separate. Yeah. So they oh, were like, okay. she'll just, it, she'll just stay see. on the first floor and we'll live on the second floor. It's not and... like she'll sleep next to the crib. Like she'll right, have her right. own space. Okay. That makes a little more sense. Um, and so they paid Edwin to let Myra stay there until they could figure something else out. And this is a quote from him. He said, I made them pay me in advance, which actually allowed me to close the sale. I didn't have enough at closing, so she stayed with us for a while. And she had a filthy mouth, and she ticked us off. Every time she said, we don't want you here, I thought she was always talking about just her and the poodle. <gasps> but me maybe. and the poodle. <laughs> <laughs> he also said in another interview, he was like, that, or I think he said it on his literal website. He has like a, a Q&A. Yeah. And uh, he even said, like, someone asked questions about the poodle. And he was like, honestly, every time I walk into that room, the poodle would ignore me just like she would. <laughs> like, they hated oh. me. So he, they move in and she's pretty terrible. Apparently, she would literally just, like, open doors and just start maniacally laughing at them. Mm. Um, and then out of nowhere, she would just go into, like, complete cry fest and be super miserable and sad so she's clearly like she needs help yeah and uh they they don't know what to do it's not they're not family they are unaware of the family history also they never asked about the house history because they were naive and young and just so desperate for a home they didn't really want to know the family history so they were just kind of living with this person hoping that she would keep to herself and interestingly, he said on in one of his Q&As that, like, he never saw her leave the house. He has no idea how the dog ever went out for walks or how she got groceries or yeah. he was like, he, he was like, it's a complete mystery. I don't know where she was always in her room. I have Ooh. I never saw her leave the house. Um, So after he buys it and they're moving in, Myra, uh, not Myra, sorry, Marsha, who's the wife. Yeah. Marsha sees it for the first time and already feels off. So she went into this house being kind of a believer. And the first time she walks in, she walked up and knocked on the door. And even though it was her place, it felt like she needed to knock on the door because it felt so wrong that she was going to live there. Ooh, like that she was maybe not welcome there or like yeah. wasn't comfortable there. Oh, I don't it like that. It wasn't home. And so yeah. she said with every step into the house, she felt like something was wrong and bad. Oh, gosh. Um, she got to one room and this is a quote from her saying, oh, God, something's not right. I don't feel I don't feel right here. I feel like. I should get out and run as fast as I can, but I didn't want to hurt his feelings. It took a lot of him to get this house. The Aww. house did not want us there, but we just had no other choice. And I knew this. So I just kept quiet. Poor thing. Yeah. So as they're moving in, he starts, she's feeling stared at the entire time. She's unpacking things. And it, like uh, immediately as she moves in there, she's putting things on the table. She's leaving the room, coming back and things are missing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, great. Great start. So things are disappearing and rearranging on like minute one of them living there. The first night, I think it was the first night they were there. Um, Edwin also found an old used Ouija board <laughs> and uh, he didn't have really any interest in the paranormal. He didn't freak him out. He was just like, oh, this, this was the family's and they left it here. So I'm just going to throw it away. So he just threw it away. Oh goodness. Which I feel like is bad if maybe they had left some sort of portal open or something and now he's just thrown yeah. it away. I feel like it's better than setting it on fire. Like I think everybody always thinks you should set things on fire. I mean, me too, me included as I yeah. light my entire microphone on fire. But <laughs> uh, 
I feel like the the gut instinct is always like, oh, so I burned it. And it's like, that doesn't seem like it always helps. I feel like oftentimes that yeah. makes it worse. So at least he didn't burn it. I don't know. I wonder if he would have if he had like a personal issue with Ouija boards. Yeah, like, I feel like for that's him, more... I think if for him, it yeah. just felt like garbage. He was just like, oh, you throw it away. So at least at least he didn't, I guess, set it on fire. <laughs> I yeah, I, I guess. Throwing it away probably isn't much better. Well, so right away, more things start happening in the house, including the lights flickering in a really intentional way. They said that it felt really rhythmic or like Morse code because it'd go, Ew. it'd go like flick, 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 flick. What does that spell? Help me, I'm a ghost. Oh, well, they should have figured that out. They would have not had to live in mystery the whole yeah. time, I think. It's too bad. Um. They also start hearing knocks and bumps in the house. Dishes started flying out of the cabinets. Uh, cabinets and cabinet doors and normal doors were all opening and closing by themselves. And a mixer flew off the wall and landed uh, at Marsha's feet. Oh, geez. Um, also, they had to start getting multiple keys for each of their locks because the keys would go missing mm. so often and they would reappear twisted and bent. No. Oh, God. That's fucked up. Which feels like, it almost feels like, oh, your key can't work, so you can't get in. Yeah. And it's like, I intentionally don't want you to have access. Mm -hmm. Ooh, yuck. So this was one source that I don't know how trustworthy it is. I feel like something like this would have been mentioned a lot more in other places. But apparently, according to one source, something actually, quote, picked up their cat held it out the second floor window and dropped it 20 feet to the pavement. <gasps> no, baby. Which like, by the way, at least cats like can land with 20 feet of preparation, but like, it's still not good. Still not That's good. terrible. And yeah, I mean, the animals are getting messed with. Um, and again, I don't know if that's a legitimate source. Um, the only information I don't have about this is, um, the, so Edwin later goes on to write an actual book about this and maybe he wrote about that in the book and then he just doesn't talk about it in interviews but I know because it's animals I wanted to like be extra ginger with that yeah 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 no information. I got you yeah I yeah, don't know yeah. how real that one is okay so Edwin also later reported that two different times in the house he saw a dark inhuman mass that moved very fast in the house yuck yuck yuck, yuck. so um, and there was also one room that uh, Marcia said, no matter how many lights you turn on or open windows, one space was always dark, like it absorbed all the light. Yuck. I hate that. Imagine turning every light on and opening all the windows and it's still dark in there. Yeah, that's that's creepy. It's like intentionally gloomy. It defies physics. And that's when I uh, am scared. For oh, sure. when M, the physicist, uh, realizes the laws of physics are not being followed. That's me. Um <laughs> So this is a quote from Marsha about the haunts that were happening more and more intensely. After a while, there's just no denying it. I think I knew from the beginning. I just didn't want to believe it. The air in that place changed every day from minute to minute. Sometimes you couldn't breathe. Sometimes it was thick. Sometimes it was cold. It was constant. And I just thought, oh, it's just an old building that isn't ventilated well. But I think I always knew. Oh, no. Meanwhile, as Marsha is dealing with all this while Edwin is at work, like keep like she's taking care of a baby in this haunted home and he gets to leave. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he is he is 
much more unaware of what's going on sure. than she is. Also, he's a skeptic. So like she's at home already believing this stuff Terrible. and it's happening around her. And then he comes home and is like not helpful. Honey, she, I'm like, home. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's also too stubborn to pay attention to the things that he should be noticing. So he's rationalizing everything, even things that to him clearly don't make sense, but he's coming up with logical explanations or trying to. Yeah. Um, and part of him also thought that Marsha was just making this stuff up from the beginning. He, which he apologizes for pretty profusely in all of his interviews. Why would he he's like, think that just to, so he thought at the time, one of the interviews, he said like, we were living like, fun and fancy free before we had this kid and now all of a sudden she's stuck at home with a baby and she's feeling too settled and she he thought maybe there was something like after her pregnancy maybe she was just like feeling lonely or she was like i don't know she he he was coming up with a bunch of arguments that in hindsight he said like i was really cruel and i put her through hell oh, for all wow. that i mean because okay. she would say like this is going on and i'm really scared and he would just completely dismiss her um and i don't know i guess that was his way of coping just being in, de in denial denial but, right um but so there was like a good six months of 21 months is how long they lived there i think oh boy um and the first at least six months he was not helpful with her right. um and it, it does eventually start getting in the way of their relationship because she's freaked out and doesn't feel like he's listening to her also when he comes home he either doesn't want to hear her stories or as he started believing her, he was starting to feel so much shame and guilt that he couldn't protect her, that he didn't ask her. Um, He's like, he just like, don't tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> he, and, and later I'm going to say this in the second episode too, but he um, later on, they go on to do a, a TV show. Um, they're like, they're like one of the episodes of like paranormal witness. Mm -hmm. And he ends up saying like that show really helped us. And also when I was writing my book, I like finally sat down with my wife and interviewed her on everything. And I learned so much that I should have known 40 years ago. Oh, geez. But he guy. was just, I know. And he was like, I was just too, uh, first of all, in denial and too stubborn. And he was like, I just honestly felt so guilty. I didn't want to know. So I never asked her, but she also, that means she just like lived with all of this Not by alone. herself. Right. Yeah. So he also apparently wrote an article. I couldn't find it, but he said he wrote an article somewhere about um, how to keep uh, the paranormal out of your relationship. And I was like, <laughs> don't huh. read that, M, because it might ruin us forever. <laughs> I was like, it's all that binds us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so uh, he, yeah. So anyway, he was just like completely dismissing her thought she was either making it up or maybe that was his own excuse for himself right and meanwhile the whole time like myra's probably still walking around freaking her out physically while she's freaking out spiritually with all this other stuff going on um and edwin's brother all i guess was also starting to visit more often and he was getting freaked out by things uh what what started to get ed to notice i keep saying ed edwin sorry i don't know if he goes by ed um what made edwin start to really notice e that <laughs> yes sorry my my main man my ed winnie okay whatever what's wrong with me what i tried to i tried to up you and he i always want up me here i always try and it fails a lot of the time <laughs> so um what did you say e-money or something so, e-dog uh, but e-money's good too 
So what E-Dog was up to and what finally got him to notice that something really was going on, but he was still in denial, but he had his eyes open while hoping it was not true, was uh, their daughter was getting christened. And so they had a few people over at the house. Uh Oh, (laughs) I have a feeling. As the priest came in. Oh, no. First of all, Myra comes out of the room and starts cussing out the whole family for oh, being there. Super. Wait, why are they doing this at the house? Or is this like the after I think part party? of her I think it was, I don't know. I think part of her christening was he would also going to bless the house. Maybe like do a two for one situation. Oh, I feel like because whenever there was a baptism growing up, it would be like you do it at the church and then like everyone comes back to the house to like have a little brunch mm. or whatever. So maybe a little shindig. The priest. Maybe. All I know is that he was also there to additionally do a house blessing. Okay. Okay. Um, and so when he shows up, Myra uh, gets in his way and starts cussing out the priest. So the priest freaks out and he's he was supposed to be there for longer, but he was very much like, I'm just going to bless the house and leave. And he's getting ready for his blessing. And I don't know what the right word is because obviously I did not grow up with all this, but whatever the brass like wand is that has the holy water in it. Yeah, it goes like this. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know, know what it's called either. His brass wand. His um, wand. Oh my god, that's great. <laughs> Which is ironic because it's magic. Yeah, ah. exactly. Um, but so he holds it up, getting ready to do the the start of the blessing, and the brass wand shatters. Oh gosh. Which like according to Edwin, and I guess according to me, because I've also never seen it, I don't know about brass shattering. That feels that kind seems of like one of your physics the lines in the sand, you know. I'll talk to one of my cohorts at the lab. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, so it just shatters. And so the family kind of freaks out, obviously. The priest crosses himself and picks up all the pieces, and then he just straight up says, I have to go. You gotta go. <laughs> what are you gonna do? He's like, like mm, this is not for me. Sorry. Which, by the way, thanks, priest. Let's bring that back. Thanks, because priest. We haven't said that in so long. Yeah, wait, thanks, priest. Really? You're gonna just like pick up the puzzle pieces of your wand and leave? <laughs> yeah, he's like a I'm, lot. I'm outie. There's a baby here. Well, so that's what Edwin says. He was like, at least bless my daughter's room and then you can go. So that's what he does. Um, apparently, there's like a funny little thing that happened where Wait, he priest- like scotch taped his wand back together. <laughs> no, he apparently got lost on the way to the baby's room and like walked into a closet and something silly like that. But uh, so he blessed the daughter's room, left, refused to ever come back. Yeah. I mean, I can't necessarily blame him. I don't either. I feel bad on both sides i certainly if i were edwin i'd be like bless this no you're right no you're right you're right i feel like it's kind of a a double-edged sword here like neither side seems to be yeah like i'm totally on edwin's side but also if i was holding something and it shattered in my hands (laughs) as i was trying to do a blessing i'd be like you know what not for me you know what demons win today yeah (laughs) so (laughs) he never comes back and the rest of the house obviously things just got worse so their attitudes, Edwin and Marsha, their attitudes towards each other started changing, like I said, um, mainly for like obvious miscommunication issues. But um, Edwin in particular was getting very hostile and angry in the house, which is very Amityville of like, yeah, the, the dad like was getting really hostile. You know, I feel like that happens a lot on those show. What's the show? Maybe it is. I don't think it's Paranormal Witness. Um is it a haunting or where, what's the one where they go to people's houses and they do like kind of the cheesy reenactments and the family? I think like it's tells... a haunting or like my ghost story or something. Yeah. One of those. I feel like so many times the dad is skeptical. Then he goes in and then his, his personality starts changing. Like this seems like a pattern. 
Yeah. Yeah. And also keep in mind, this was before any ghost content was out there. So right. it's, it's not it's like, like they he was were... just copying it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, he started getting super hostile about, th- apparently he was actually getting so angry that there are things he intentionally avoids writing about in his book because he either he was so angry in those moments or he made a, a joke in an interview where he was like, uh, I don't know if the statute of limitations is up. I don't know if I want to admit the things Whoa. I did when I was angry. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but Cricket okay. said that joke. I know. And I'm like, uh, okay. So you were angry. Got it. Yikes. Um, and so to, to your point where you're saying like, oh, it's so weird that all the husbands seem to always be the skeptics and thus the ones that end up getting really angry for no reason. Um, Edwin says, if you ever feel, I guess in a haunted house, if you ever feel a hot flash or instant agitation, that's a sign. And that was uh, my weakness because it was my temper and it made me angry all the time. So I wonder if it's just like a, a dude thing for the anger to be the one, the thing that's triggered before anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. I don't know either. I feel like a hot flash for me is like PMS saying, you know, so maybe I have a good excuse. I'm like, it's menopause or it's Fair enough. PMS. But... I think anyone would be agitated in a hot flash. That's for sure. <laughs> I'll say feel, that. Yeah. I feel like, oh my God, get me out of here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he thinks that it was either that he was more quick to anger to begin with, or he also said in another interview that maybe it was because he was, um, really skeptical and stubborn that the spirits didn't really have any other way to like start making him vulnerable except to work off of his anger so Mm -hmm. i don't know i i'm a physicist not a an expert with (laughs) with this stuff so so one of the other ways that their relationship started kind of floundering was the house and the entities were starting to build a lot of mistrust between them so uh at the time Edwin would call home while he was at work to check on her, but the phone would always be busy and he was getting mad because back in the seventies, there was like a phone bill that was based off of the location and how far away the other house was that you were calling. And, um, Oh my gosh. So he was like, the phone bill is going to be off the goddamn charts. If you're on the phone every minute, like what is, well, who are you calling? And, uh, and Marsha was like, I'm not calling anybody. And eventually they started noticing that um, anytime they weren't looking at the phone, when they would look back, the phone had taken itself off the <gasps> hook and the phone was sitting on the floor. Ew. Well, and also with that, like if if she's saying I'm not on the phone, then he probably thinks she's lying. Why is she lying? Maybe she's talking to somebody. Doesn't yeah. want to tell me who it is. I feel like there's all sorts of layers to that. So he actually tried to trick her or like double blind her like that. And so I guess back in the day, the, um, the phone bill would show you every individual oh, la- right. landline you called. And so he was thinking like, Oh, I'm going to wait until the, the phone bill gets here. And then I'm going to show her all the numbers and be like, you can't deny this. Who are you calling? But it was like, not that like, she's not calling anyone. And so, uh, it just, I think freaked them both out of like the phone is literally turning itself off, which is just another sign of like, we don't want you here. We don't want you to be able to call for help. We don't want other people to be able to reach out to you. Yeah. That one almost feels sinister in the way of like, we don't want you to have access to the outside world. Like that's so, so creepy. Super. Like I, I hate that. Cause it's like, Oh, even if you think someone might be calling you, you'll, they'll never hear from you. <laughs> And then Edwin started noticing that anytime he would run his morning bath water, the plug to fit, to keep the tub fill, uh, filled up would take itself out and wrap itself around the faucet. Ew. 
because the plug had like a little chain and the yeah. chain would wrap around the faucet and no to keep like itself that. unplugged so the water would always fall out and then he would never get his morning baths oh um and but this was actually another way of keeping their relationship kind of uh strained because what he used to do was he would let the bath water run and that was and then he would go downstairs while the bathtub was filling up and he would have his like morning moment with his wife oh and boy now he's so paranoid about the bathtub and he's trying to figure out why the plug's doing that that now he's instead of going down and hanging out with her he's sitting up in the bathroom just staring at the bath and probably not helping with the baby and all that yeah but ain't that the truth <laughs> um his also his reasoning was like he thought that the pipes were old and so the pressure in the pipes might be pushing the plug out so hard that the plug was like jumping out of the tub and wrapping itself around the right. faucet i was like wow the mental gymnastics for denial is crazy <laughs> um and so uh but so he was spending every morning now in the bathroom monitoring the bathtub because he started noticing it would only happen when he left the room of course which he when he's not was, looking yeah mm -hmm. And so now their relationship strained that way. They're not having their morning time together. And also in the bathroom, eventually Marsha feels something touch her in there. And so mm -hmm. she starts getting so nervous to do her own like hygiene routines or anything without Ed being or without Edwin being there. Oh, so no. now she's terrified to be in the bathroom alone. And by now, Marsha is so scared of the entire house that she officially makes a space in the kitchen where her and the baby just hide out all day. Poor thing. That's... A terrible yeah she even said in an interview that they were one of the few families at the time that had a color tv and they had set up a whole nice space in the living oh, room no and she was like i never turned that tv on i never went in there i just stayed in the kitchen and watched my nine inch black and white television because i didn't want to be in that room yikes um and then this is a quote from marcia too even though things in the kitchen would also happen the stove would go on and off the water would go on and off the broom would move the fridge and the cabinet doors open dishes flew out of the cabinets the spirits loved playing tricks and games in there she she was just saying like i was hiding out in there and yes there was stuff going on in the kitchen but she liked the kitchen the most because there was a door to the outside to escape and there was a bunch of windows so she could look outside and she said that grounded her and made her feel Jeez. safe yep and Keep there was mind, food there was a sandwich and in there the was fridge. food that's and there nice. was food keep in mind they're um still they still aren't talking to each other about what's going on because he's still in denial and trying to rationalize everything mm -hmm. she's literally hiding out in the kitchen every day and they're just not talking and meanwhile uh she is, doesn't feel like she can talk to him about everything going on, but he's also not sharing everything he knows because mm -hmm. he became friends with the next door neighbor who, according to Paranormal Witness, is named Walter. <gasps> no. I don't know if that's true or if that was a made-up name, but... Not again. Not again. Another Walter. So Edwin has found himself a next-door neighbor buddy. Um, apparently, they would go down to the neighbor's basement and drink Southern Comfort, and Walter... <laughs> And Walter would tell him all about the original family. <gasps> so, um, again, this is the paranormal witness source, which the Beckers have said, like, they definitely drop dramatized things for TV. Dram dramatized? Dramatized? I think dramatized, but they, I know what you mean. They definitely embellished the story. So I don't right. know how realistic this source is, but... Um, the, the story goes on the show, at least, that Walter told him 
about the family before that lived there before the original uh the family that lived there before them slash the original owners. And Walter would say that he lived next to them for 50 years. He never talked to them. They were all very strange and they were the original ones to build the house. So whatever happened in there was probably their doing. They were very strange. Okay. Very strange. And Edwin, so Edwin was not telling Marsha any of the darker parts that Walter told him um, because he didn't want to embolden her fears and like let her know she was right to be freaked out. Sure. But he did say in interviews, like his, the next door neighbor was real and did inform him on some really dark shit that had happened in the house. But he, I didn't, couldn't see anywhere. I couldn't find anywhere what that dark stuff was. I think he was oh. like, I don't even want to put it in the book. The stuff that that neighbor told me about the family. Oh, okay. Um, Maybe it's in his book, but I remember an interview. He was like, I don't no one. We don't need to talk about that. Um, oh, OK. So I think he found out that stuff and was like, I'm not telling my wife because she's already so paranoid. Yeah. Um, and around this time, uh, this is when they finally get Myra out of the house and new prospect, uh, prospective tenants are coming to look at the place. And one was a woman with a baby. And as the woman and Marsha talked marcia got this weird feeling all of a sudden and turned around and saw that the baby who was in like this little like rolling walker uh it was being pushed by nobody and the baby's feet were not moving so the baby wasn't pushing themselves um but the walker was moving by itself closer and closer to the stairs <gasps> oh no and luckily marcia caught the baby in time but this is when she started freaking out that even her own baby might be in danger seriously because at that point, I think she was more worried about herself. And now she's like, oh, shit. So, like, babies are also fair game. Jeez. Um, eventually, new tenants came in, and they were named Dan and Diane, which I think is fun. Dan and that Diane. Is, that is fun. It's very um, fun. That's fun. This that's I'm fun. really I'm splitting hairs here looking for the fun in this story. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they moved into the first door flat. And they were around the same age as the couple. They also had a baby. And Marsha kind of thought, I like them a lot. They We have a lot in common. And also, if something happens, they'll hear me scream. Oh, which is cute. So sad. And just like that, that lovely one piece of confetti that you had brought to the table gets burned up. <laughs> right. And it's gone. By your coffin microphone candle. By my candle. coffin. <laughs> um, so Paranormal Witness was the only source that had dan and diane talking about their experience there but they also said the second they moved in things were going on downstairs they noticed that the chandelier in their place would swing all the time um and they soon started hearing sounds of domestic abuse upstairs <gasps> and they thought that it must be edwin and Marsha. uh-oh interestingly edwin and Marsha were hearing sounds no. of domestic abuse downstairs and they thought it was dan and diane oh my gosh and both couples were terrified that the other was abusing their spouse because yeah. they were waking up every night hearing a woman screaming in pain. Oh, shit. And then eventually they figured out that it was neither of them. Oh, shit. Yeah. So they also thought Edwin and Marsha were stealing their stuff and turning off their electricity and just being kind of melting their keys. Landlords. Yeah, melting their <laughs> keys. Uh, so they were like things were going on for them, too. And as Edwin said, then came the animals. Oh. Apparently, any pet who ever lived in that house, eventually, after being freaked out by something, ran away. Oh, no. So Dan had a dog, and with the, Dan got a dog while he lived there, and within, like, four days, the dog was gone. No. Um, 
the dogs also like Edwin and Marsha's dogs who they'd had for a while, they were apparently very loyal dogs. They knew, they knew kind of the lay of the land that it wasn't like a new environment for them. This was their home. Um, but they would look at nothing at a wall and just start growling and snarling. Oh, no. The cat would run out of rooms hissing and its back would be arched in rooms where nothing was there. Um, the one dog that was very loyal and, as Edwin said, would defend them from a bear. Um, one night the dog saw something by the doorway that they couldn't see. And he got on the bed to defend Edwin and Marsha and he was snarling and growling viciously mm. in a way that they had never seen their dog act and the next day, the dog jumped the fence and ran away. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, and this is when Edwin says that he, this is when he was fully, truly freaked out because he was aware that he was powerless to something he couldn't see. That's what's so scary. <sighs> and you're like, you just feel helpless in so many different ways. Yeah. And uh, he, I guess in his book, he was afraid of being boring. And so he left a lot of information out on the dog running away. And so he got a lot of slack about like not going to find his dog. And then he wrote, I think, a second book and another interview. He's been like, I looked for my dogs, to be clear. Like, I yeah. went and looking. We didn't just let it run the fence, jump the fence and then. But I guess shoulders. he originally had like three or four pages of how he had like all these missing dog signs and he would stay up all night looking for his dogs and the dog just never came home. That's so sad. But yeah, also like I kind of think about the dog though. If there was something that scary, like imagine how bad it had to be for that dog to be like, I'm fucking out of here. Like, yeah, sorry, I, don't I can't here. protect you from this. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If that was the case, I don't, I don't know. Right. So both of their dogs and their cat, um, all acted weirdly and at some point i think eventually took off Gosh. And, and then dan's dog also did that so and i mentioned edwin's brother earlier um, another time he came over he and edwin were walking around in the basement and they found a i don't know if it's a false door but a shed a hidden oh, shed no 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 with a padlock on it no 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 and it was weirdly it was weird that it was untouched considering the heirs before they got there had ripped yeah. everything apart. So it's interesting that they didn't touch this. That's a good point. Um, in the basement, so this was in the basement, and the basement itself was already a very sinister area. Edwin says that this was where his fight or flight would always be kicked no. in. Um, anytime he went down there, he was incredibly agitated, incredibly angry, to a point where later on he found out that he had lost some memories that he of things he had done while he was angry. Um, Marsha, on day one of moving in, said she would never go down there in the basement because something was just so dark about that place. Oh, jeez. Um, and Edwin, who was having anger issues, especially in the basement, he used... Um, uh, this to let you know how bad it was, was that he was obsessed with music. He was a professional musician, actually. Um, he loved playing guitar, all these things. And whenever he would go in the basement, he all he wanted was silence with no radio, whereas usually he always had music playing. Ew. Um, but he didn't even realize it until years later. He was like, I never wanted any sound down there. Ew. I know. So anyway, so they're down in the basement, which is already like a horrible primed area him and his brother find this padlocked shed and they open up the shed mm. and they find decades worth of early vintage porn. Whoa. That's not what I was expecting. They also find 30 to 40 shoe boxes 
of stacked paper rubber banded together like baseball cards or playing cards and all of them are different individually cut out of magazine pictures of women's body parts <gasps> oh my god what it was cartoons magazines newspaper clippings comics ew someone had been cutting out a leg an arm a waist a head ew. and it was so this is from ed he's saying we're talking tens of thousands <gasps> oh i mean 30 God. or 30 or 40 shoe boxes of that shit that he said was up to like 50 years worth of decades of <gasps> ew um, that is so disturbing apparently all the stacks of paper had the same name on it which i don't know if this is the real name or not but uh edwin calls it ben okay and so when we realized that ben was up to no good or he was up to something not good um this is when edwin finally had a name for whatever entity was going around his house and so mm. he started blaming everything on ben got it to a point where he started talking to ben great um and i guess I, I heard in one interview edwin say once he found this shed full of really creepy stuff he was like okay i need to start like talking to or i need to start listening to my wife when she's saying that creepy things are going nice on here. so that's what it took 50 years of porn <laughs> i'm getting um okay so uh dan remembers that uh dan was the tenant with diane dan dan yeah. So he's still living there at the time. And he even remembers Edwin talking to Ben all the time by himself. And he thought Edwin was crazy because he was like, you're literally talking to Ben and there's no Ben. Um, and so he was kind of getting freaked out in his own way. Meanwhile, Diane, his wife, was getting freaked out in a different way. All four of these people were having different experiences and none of them were talking to each other. Um, Dan and Diane weren't talking to edwin and marcia because they were like we're your tenants we don't want to get kicked out for like being seeming weird or yeah. like, saying we're seeing things meanwhile edwin and marcia weren't telling them because they didn't want to scare their tenants right and edwin and marcia were having their own issues where they were not communicating and then i think dan and diane were also not having a, a really solid communication either um so Around this time, like I mentioned earlier, Edwin's starting to feel a lot of shame and guilt for not being able to protect his family. Plus, they're losing friends because their friends don't want to come over anymore. The friends stopped calling the phone because it was always off the hook, not because mm. they were putting it off the hook, but the ghosts were. Um, and he didn't know what was right from wrong, and he didn't know how to handle it. And so he just started getting angry at the ghosts, and he began antagonizing them. Oh, no. That's probably what they wanted. I think so. And I think this is going to be your favorite quote of the whole show <gasps> because Edwin said, I was basically Zach Bagans before Zach Bagans was born. Oh my God. The OG. Because, because I would yell and I would scream at the ghosts. The OGZB right here in our midst. <laughs> and so one night the ghosts kept uh, opening a door in the kitchen that Marsha wanted closed. And so, uh, Edwin tied it up with string and the door began to vibrate and shake trying to close itself Ugh. to a point where they were both freaking out and Edwin starts antagonizing the ghost being like, what kind of ghost are you if you can't even break through string? Oh, it's like a good diss. Yeah. And so meanwhile, Marsha hates that he's antagonizing him because Marsha's like, I have to live with this fucking thing. Like, yeah, I, you get to go to work. I have right. to deal with it after you've pissed it off. And uh, so 
that was just one example of how they were not even listening to each other anymore. And Edwin was challenging these spirits while Marsha's hating it. And another night they have a friend over who experienced the door vibrating when tied up. This became like a normal thing. They would tie up the door and watch it vibrate and watch Ben try to crack the string. And uh, the friend stood up kind of not believing it and was like, well, ghosts aren't real. And all of a sudden a spindle uh, was sitting in the cabinet nearby and it flew out at the friend, passed his head and slammed down on the table (gasps) with no bounce, which freaks me out. It's not like it it got thrown and then had a little reverb to it. It like someone like just slammed it down the table and stuck it there. Oh no. So then those friends stopped coming over. So Edwin doesn't know what to do anymore about the spirits. There was no internet at the time. There were no ghostbusters to call. There was no paranormal community to look into. There was no information anywhere. There wasn't even the movie. The exorcist hadn't even come out yet. Right. Right. Amityville hadn't come out yet. There was nothing. He said in one, interview all he knew of was casper which was like the opposite of this right (laughs) it's not gonna help uh and so he went back to the same priest that blessed the or tried to bless the house and he begged him to come back and bless the house again and the priest straight up said no (laughs) (gasps) and he told him that uh i hate to break it to you but you and your wife need psychological help oh but i hate to break it totally gaslit jackass So Edwin freaks out. He like, you were my last hope and starts cussing out the priest and he ends up getting kicked out of his parish. Oh no. I mean, this priest saw it firsthand and was too scared to stay. Yeah. And now he's like, no, you're just crazy. Like, yep. What a jackass. So when you're kicked out of your parish, I guess you're not allowed to go to another one. That's like some under unspoken church rules, I guess. So they felt like they couldn't go to any parishes and Edwin was at a loss and, Despite not being welcome inside, things were so bad at home that Marsha was now not hiding out in the kitchen all day, but she was now sitting on the church steps every day. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. She would be there from morning until she had to go home to make dinner with That's the baby. Terribly sad. I guess the, even the kitchen wasn't enough anymore. It's so oh. sad. Um, and she they weren't even welcome in the church, so she would just sit on the stairs. That's just so awful. Yeah. So... One day, one of the nuns walking by saw her sitting on the stairs and looked her in the eyes and said, you're not welcome here. And I guess the nun had heard the story of Edwin cussing out the priest or something, or maybe the story had telephoned into like, oh, something demonic's going on in that family. Don't talk to them. I don't know. But anyway, thanks priest has now become thanks nuns. Thanks Uh, a lot, nuns. Because they straight up said, don't come back here. So now she had nowhere to go where she felt safe. Thanks for none thing. (laughs) Guess how much you helped? None. Yeah, I was trying to think of a way to use none as its own saying. Yeah, you nailed nailed it. You nailed it. None thing does not really work. (laughs) (laughs) So on top of this, the spirits uh, became too much for Diane downstairs, and she began acting different. Her personality totally changed, and her and Dan were fighting. So eventually it became so much that she left with the baby. Mm. And Dan stayed, but Marsha remembers feeling like even though they never really talked about things, she lost someone who understood what was going on. Yeah. So now it's just Marsha, Edwin, and Dan downstairs. And eventually the couple gets to a boiling point um, because Edwin is still not telling Marsha everything. He's still in some denial and they're fighting. Uh, And Marsha says, you've changed a lot. You're always angry. You're antagonizing these ghosts. You're talking to Ben like he's here. 
Like, I just want to go home. I'm going to go see my mom. I don't want to be here anymore. Good. I think she saw Diane do it. And she was like, if she can do it, I can do it. And so, yeah, I don't blame she, her. She took the baby and left. And while she was gone for the next month, uh, Edwin didn't notice a lot of paranormal change. But his excuse was like, I'm always at work. So sure. I, didn't, I didn't see anything. But he does say this was his lowest point because he just felt like he completely failed his wife. He didn't, you know, didn't know how to protect her or fix anything or get out of this and find a better place. And um, interestingly, just like how he said, well, I was always at work, so I never saw any real ghost activity. He did have an interesting theory, which I'd never heard of before, but he was like, I feel like ghosts are just humans and they do human routines just like we do. And that includes sleep because he, they both say that the whole time that they had hauntings, all the activity was from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. And he was- he was like, they never woke us up in the middle of the night, which like, by the way, thank God, if you saw the clock, the clock strike 10, at least you knew you were like off duty. That's a good point. Like then you were safe to watch your color TV in peace. Yeah. Yeah. Watch some Saturday Night Live, you know? Yeah. But he was like, it was just always in that time frame. And so usually he woke up at 5 a.m. to go to work and then he came home late. So like he did, especially when she wasn't there, he had no reason sure. to come home early. So he just stayed at work. So he never really saw anything that often. But the one time he did feel in danger when he was living by himself was when he went to make Chef Boyardee. Uh, <laughs> we all feel a little like we're on the wild side Ooh, with some Chef Boyardee. Right, I was going to say a little on the, living on the edge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess he put the raviolis in the pot and uh, then he was like, oh, I have to I have to run out and do something. I think he was going to like walk one of their dogs that hadn't run away yet. And um, he, when he came back, the he hadn't started cooking or anything. He just left them in the pot. And then he was like, Oh, I'll get back to this. When he came back, the gas burners were on and the ravioli had burned in the pot. (gasps) That's so dangerous. Yeah. So that was when he was like, Oh, this is super bad. Like they could kill us. Yeah. Um, so shortly after this, Edwin gets in his car, he goes back, uh, to Marsha's mom's house to win her back and says, come home. We are going to figure this out no matter what. He has like and... some burned chef boyardee. He's like, I need my wife to come in. <laughs> like, I don't come back, please. So he ends up, uh, Marsha hears him out, comes back home with him, and they start looking into professional paranormal help. Thank goodness. Which we will learn about next week. <gasps> what a cliffhanger. That was so long, but I'm telling you, I almost tried to do this entire story. Oh, in God. One take. Yeah, that would have been a long one. Anyway, I'm sorry. I really did talk. I was watching the clock. I did this. I talked for 45 minutes. I'm so embarrassed. Don't, but <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Well, I'm embarrassed. I, I just, I hope, uh, I hope I didn't upstage you. I'm just aware. I'm just weirdly aware of it. So. No, you're good. I mean, this is what we do here on this lovely show of ours. Um, I also have quite a doozy for you today. So I mm. will also watch the clock and make sure I don't overdo it with the time. Honestly, uh, if you talk for 45 minutes, call it even, folks. Okay, here we go. Let's see what I can pull off here. You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things. But Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to 
to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code DRINK. Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why 4 out of 5 employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Um, so, and today I have a story for you. I want to warn everybody, this one's pretty disturbing. And I know, you know, they're all disturbing, but this one's like very, very graphic. Great. Like very, like Hello, it's very graphic. Are you listening, everybody? Okay, well, okay. let me let me appreciate this last moment of innocence. Yeah. Do you want me mm. to say e-money again or e-dog? You know, you just did. So, <laughs> how about Diane and Dan? <laughs> I do like I do like the sound of them as a couple. I hope that they they fared well after the fact. Here's a little ditty for Dan and Diane. <laughs> <laughs> Two American kids grown up best i can in a haunted in, ass house in the heartland and the ghost land i don't know yeah okay in the I, haunt land that's pretty good um haunt i land. don't know about that but we'll stick with it this is a story of richard trenton chase aka the vampire of sacramento no clue where this is going except that i uh, the vampire part kind of gives me a gives me a hint but i really no don't know i don't know anything about the story it's I knew the basics and I did not know the details and I kind of wish I could go back to a time when I did not know the details. How so, did you hear about this? Um, It's just a story. It's just a, like a big story that I always knew about, but like, or I always knew of. Um, So I figured why not cover it? And then once I realized how dark it was, I was like, well, too late now. Here you go, everybody. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Well, hey, I'm, I'm excited to be educated. Yeah, I mean, I've covered some pretty fucked up stories, so this wouldn't be the first time. But um, I also want to warn you right off the bat, he's a Gemini. So he was born May 23rd, uh, 1950. Happy Gemini season. Well, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I really I am aware of all the lists of uh, serial killers There's and so how many, many of them are Geminis. Memes. Yeah. Mm, 
I know I say a lot about Scorpios, but I am also aware that Gemini probably have a whole lot of uh, ammo that could be used against us. I so. think we're probably the second most hated, if not the most hated, Zodiac sign. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think that's it's fair. fair. I don't blame anybody for that. Yeah. I feel like if someone told me they were uninterested in me because I'm a Gemini, I'd be like, I get it. Same here. <laughs> like I, I dig it because I've I've found the happy spots, but I'm okay with you not liking it. <laughs> yeah, I dig it. I've made a home for myself here. It's okay, but I understand that if you want to, yeah, if you want to take your bindle and move on, I'm not going <laughs> to stop you. <laughs> oh, okay, so Richard Chase, he's a Gemini, born May 23rd, 1950. Um, he lived in a pretty typical household with his mother, father, and younger sister. He did all the classic stuff, Boy Scouts, Little League, had normal friends. Um, but allegedly his father was a rigid disciplinarian. He would beat his children, very abusive. Um, mm. And according to some sources, which uh, seem like slightly less, like how you were saying earlier, some sources seemed... Um, or it was only in a couple sources, so it's like you're not 100% sure if this is yeah. fully true. But some, according to some sources, Richard would wet his bed, start fires, and torture animals as a child, which, uh, as ring we ding know, ding. Yeah. ring ding ding has been dubbed as the McDonald triad, which is said to occur in children more likely to commit violence in adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, but so either way, um, outside of the abusive household and this potential behavior, he had a pretty standard upbringing um there was uh, a time when his parents broke up and sent him off to live with relatives for a bit but when they got back together they moved the family to sacramento for a fresh start and teenage richard had a pretty normal social life um he was even good looking like his classmates considered him good looking he made friends easily he dated multiple girls throughout high school but while he started when he started dating he kind of uh had a revelation about himself which would haunt him throughout his life which is that he was impotent he oh layman's terms couldn't get it up uh hmm. and this was a, a huge blow to his confidence which i mean you can understand as like a teenage boy i imagine sure. that would be a very difficult thing to reckon with especially if you're uh dating people and you know so this is i can see this being especially you know, in like the 60s or 70s where i right. feel like there was definitely not a, as much information about it as we know today yeah that's true you couldn't even like <laughs> google it you know yeah, yeah that's a, what are you gonna do yeah that's a good point so he had a huge uh blow to his confidence um and he developed pretty extreme body obsessions uh, he went to doctors for help, one of whom said his impotence was a symptom of suppressed rage, but then said, anyway, that's it, and gave no help or advice or prescription or anything. Just was like, Jeez. oh, you have suppressed rage. Here, let me add to it. Okay, bye. Get out of my office. I don't know. Yikes. So he became obsessed with his impotence and his overall health, and he decided to start finding his own cure. And so he started reading medical books. Um, and really obsessing uh, with the idea of trying to heal himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, as somebody with OCD, I can see that. Um, I can see that. At, I don't know that he had that, but I, it, it almost seems like, oh, OK, he's just like obsessively trying to find something to like fix his yeah. problems and it gets way out of hand. So. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. He starts self-medicating with speed, LSD, 
weed and alcohol. Um, and eventually, through all his obsessive quote unquote research, he comes to the conclusion that he can't maintain an erection because there's not enough blood in his body. And to, to oh, I see what's see happening where we're going. Yeah. yeah. So to some extent, it, I feel like that isn't the wackiest idea at, no, at the start. No, it's certainly very rooted in. It's rooted in some basic logic anatomy right like the yeah. blood flow okay you need that to yeah so right so to an extent i'm like okay i get the train of thought um but as somebody suffering from mental illness etc he became obsessed with blood obsessed uh-huh it's sort of like he saw that as his like little life raft and he climbed on and he did not let go uh, and this is the notorious obsession that he would become known for. So despite all this happening as a teenager, like during his teenagehood, he graduated high school. He moved into an apartment with friends. And this is where his drug and alcohol dependencies worsened. Uh, he would get high and walk around the apartment naked, which, um, shocker, his roommates didn't love. Uh, <laughs> what? Why not? Super not into it. I know it's weird. Like seems right down your alley, but no, uh, they it's, didn't. Honestly, love it. I I did live for six years with someone who was trying to qualify for Olympic swimming. He was uh, in little skivvies pretty often. So yeah, 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 yeah. That that I think he had a reason. But what I think about was this guy just walking around naked for like a. He was just high and just wandering around. Oh, there, he was there... he was on drugs. Yes, he was hot. He would get high and okay. just wander around naked. Yeah. I didn't know if he, I thought he was just like a nudist. And I was like, that's fine. No. But I, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I wish that were I get it, it. I wish it were just that, but unfortunately, no. Okay. Um, so I'm seeing, I'm, I'm reading the room now. Yeah, they didn't love it. Uh, they He was not reading the room. Um, they tried to <laughs> kick him out uh, and he refused to leave. So instead, everyone else left. They were like, you know what? We're moving out. You can stay here and have this apartment to yourself. Fair so enough. So he got it. Uh, and so Richard started... Um... You know what's always also interesting, though? Is yeah, that what? if he were walking around naked and... Well, I don't know. I don't know where his brain was. But um, I feel like if your big issue is all stemming from your impotence in that region of you and yet you're exposing yourself. I feel like there's a there's something there hmm. that I feel like someone could unpack yeah or if, good... if he's or maybe if he's truly just high and just taking his clothes off it like means nothing yeah it's and... hard to say because there were so many um so many pathologies happening that i don't know if that was yeah. one of them or if that was just a weird habit uh but okay. yeah maybe maybe it was like oh he what didn't i don't know didn't have to worry about having an erection in front of people so I, he just I, I guess so. naked i don't know that sounds like in in a one very slight way that sounds like a bit of an upswing like at least you don't have to worry about about that i'm sure not a very far upswing if you know what i mean but okay (laughs) christine i i'm also aware that there's a lot of um like issues with that but i feel like at least if you're looking for a silver lining you know at least you don't have to worry about that yeah at the very least right yeah um so back at home he now has a place to himself and he is continuously paranoid about his body his health and his general lack of blood um he started to worry uh because he thought his heart would stop beating every now and then um Mm. and he suspected this is where it starts to go pretty off the rails he suspected that someone had somehow stolen his pulmonary artery 
Okay. Yeah, that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I would say. Uh, he also feared he didn't have enough vitamin C, uh, which he treated by taking a vitamin C supplement. No. Oh, wow. You really threw me for a second. I was like, wow, that's the most logical thing he's done. <laughs> I was so hoping to read those words next. But no, unfortunately, um, this one it was pretty harmless, but uh, very ineffective. He would press oranges to his head. Uh, and try and try to <laughs> absorb vitamin C directly into his brain by okay. diffusion. Uh, in okay. case anyone's wondering, um, the physicist, this uh, probably does not work, correct? Well, let me take my physicist hat off and put on my nutritionist hat. But um, I think <laughs> my thought is like, why wouldn't you just eat them? That's like, if, a, like right. they're in your hands, like they're <laughs> so accessible to you, and well, you his... don't, you could just peel them with your hands. <laughs> It's like so. You don't need any tools. You know what's so stupid? I didn't even think of that. I was like, oh, take a vitamin C supplement. But like, you're right. Just eat the orange. But I guess his thinking was he wanted to diffuse it into his brain. So he pressed it onto his head, which I, I mean, I don't get it, but I get it. I get it. Yeah. Well, well, I feel feel like if a two year old told me that, I'd be like, oh, I see your thought process. Yeah. It seems like, well, hello. You've read a bunch of medical books, sir. Don't you know? It's definitely good toddler logic of yeah, like if yeah. I need vitamin C in my head, then put it put on it my head. By your head. Yeah. The right. It's manifesting. To that <laughs> point, I can sort of see it. Um and up to this point, uh it's okay. He's harmed a few oranges, but that's about it. Things are about to get bad. And I'm so sorry. Um so as we know. He allegedly, according to himself, has no blood. He is missing an artery. But if that weren't stressful enough, he also feared that his skull bones had disconnected from each other and had started moving around in his head. Is there more than one skull bone? Isn't your skull one big old bone? Uh, Am no. I an idiot? No. I mean, I think what I'm, ass- what I'm assuming, I'm not positive, is where your skull fuses that maybe oh, he thought they had okay. separated. And they're clacking around in there. They're clacking around. <laughs> like how babies have the, you know, separation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The fontanelle. I wonder if that's what he thought. Like the I mean, maybe his he thought his jaw and his like I'm not really sure what bones he thought were uh disconnecting, but my thought is that he thought the three pieces of the skull had t- come apart because oh. he thought that his bones had separated and were like, yeah, just clanging around in there. You know, technically, your your teeth are your skull bones. Yeah. So they could be rattling around in there, too. That one I think you'd be able to pretty easily notice. Um, it would explain the not eating an orange. That's well, true. Not really. I guess you could still eat. Whatever. I'm you getting could drink the orange juice, but. So, okay. So he, so his, so what's the reason now why he thinks that his bones he, are. Oh, he's just sort of decided that that's oh. one of his health issues. Okay, I didn't know if we, if it had if there was a trail that led no, to that. No, and to me this is also starting to sound again like OCD, like health related OCD. The, mm-hmm. the 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 obsession of like something is wrong with something must be wrong with me health wise. Um and but it again, I I it's not Neither just of us that. are experts. Neither of us. <laughs> no, also, and I it's also if... it just gets so bad that it's like well clearly that was not the issue. But to me I was like, "Oh, I can see where you're kind of like your brain mm-hmm. is coming up with all these explanations of what could be wrong health wise. Uh, I also wonder, like, well, I obviously know nothing about this, so I'm just kind of 
spitting out in a nowhere. But um, I also wonder if there's like any like Munchausen situation where he's like coming up with like crazy things that are happening to him, even though they're not happening to him. Yeah, I well, the thing with Munchausen's though is that um, you're sort of uh, faking it, like and for I attention. Think, yeah, you're faking it, and I think he legitimately was terrified that these things uh-huh. were real okay um, so it was more of a, i would say like a hypochondria situation at the start oh, okay okay then that but i but yeah i had that same thought too but the fact that he like f- truly believed that his brain you know his skull was exposing his brain and all that uh i think i think he legitimately believed it and if he did by the way terrifying terrifying yeah yeah no and i don't fault him for that and i mean we get into his diagnoses later so okay, like cool. fully you know, this is clearly mental illness at play um, because there was no reason to suspect that his bones and his head were actually separating, but he really truly believed it. And so to um, to kind of uh, help him keep an eye on that, I guess, he shaved off all his hair uh, so he could see if his bones were moving. That makes sense. Yeah. And so he saw multiple doctors. He was routinely dismissed as a hypochondriac um, when he clearly needed some major health. mental health intervention um and he was ultimately diagnosed uh with paranoid schizophrenia at age 23 um which i mean as you know i've i've a limited experience researching that but you know what from what i've learned that kind of manifests in like late teen early mm. 20s for from oftentimes men um and so that would kind of fit where he's sure graduating high school he's done okay so far and then it you know, all kind of comes to the surface. Um, so yeah, he was diagnosed with this at age 23, left the hospital after 72 hours. He went and lived with his mother, um, and he, who had now divorced from his father. And while he was living with her, he became convinced that she was poisoning him. So he wouldn't eat any food she made and she just couldn't handle him. So she, uh, told his dad, her ex, and he sent Richard to live in an apartment on his own. So Whoa. he was on his own now again. And uh it doesn't feel like the right call. I also I don't know what feel I don't know what the right call is, but I feel like he needs help or yeah. someone watching him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um so now he's alone and he begins to fully hone in on this no blood obsession. Uh and this is where things take a quick, sharp downward spiral and continue. Okay. Um, the first thing he did was he would capture rabbits. Uh, he would disembowel them and drink their blood and then eat the bodies raw. Wow. Okay. Then, as if that weren't enough for your poor brain, M, he mm-hmm. blended the organs with Coca-Cola and drank it. That's new. That's an original one. It's an original. That's Richard new. Chase. It's an um, original. <clears throat> so I call it RC Cola. <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I my here's my thing. I want to know why why he why why soda like did because even he knew it was disgusting and he needed to mix it with something i imagined maybe it was just what he had on hand and it so like the- if he's already drinking their blood and he's like that's fine why but did- i think it's because the organs were he wanted to blend the organs but you oh, need a he, liquid 
couldn't you just do that with the blood before you drank it? He already drank the blood. (laughs) She was like, ah, man, I needed that for the next part. Oh, I drank that too quickly. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the logic. I mean, did he? But I don't. I I, yeah. I also this is probably not um, a question with a true answer to it. But did he enjoy the taste of it, or did he gag on it and feel like I just have to do it and get through it to have more blood? You know, I wonder that myself. My I there. I don't know the answer, so I want to put that out first. But my guess is that it because I don't think he ever did this. Well, I don't know if ever, but I don't think this started as an enjoyment, like how you see some people say like, oh, I like the taste of flesh or right. whatever. I don't think it was that at all. I think he legitimately thought this would cure him and did it more as just like a health measure, quote unquote. Like, I, wow. I imagine if you have a taste for Coca-Cola, you probably don't have a taste for rabbit organs, but sure. Legitimately, In which case, I don't though, know. if you... If you really thought you needed to eat the organs, couldn't you cook those? Couldn't you just have like chicken liver or rabbit liver? You probably could, but he didn't. I don't know. So. I mean, obviously he's not thinking in this. He went from putting oranges on his head to blending to rabbits. rabbits and so, putting them in a blender. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it so really it, is a, a complete nosedive. Yeah, I don't think there's much um, logic here that I could really uh, explain offer. to you. Yeah, yeah offer, yeah. Um, so, oh, so all of this to him at the time seemed rational, uh, as a way to treat his ailments. He now also believed his blood was turning to powder and needed to be replaced. And so this became Whoa. a fixation for him, like an obsession of, of replenishing his blood, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, he also thought his heart was shrinking. So he was, I mean he had been diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Like yeah, he really, he's going through it. He's going he through really it. was believing that these things were happening to him and he was terrified uh so richard went on drinking his rabbit smoothies uh for a couple of years and just did that uh until he became sick for real uh with because he was because he was yeah. fucking eating rabbit well blood? actually no uh he got blood poisoning because he injected rabbit blood into his veins okay It's one of those things where I have a lot to say, but then I'm very quickly reminded there's mental illness involved. I know, I know, I know. Because I I have comments that probably would be insensitive until I'm aware that, like, this guy really thought he was helping himself. And then I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this, he was, like, going through hell himself. (sighs) Um, And so, and I I don't say that to excuse what happens later at all, but, uh, you know, it's just worth noting. Um, So his father took him to the emergency room. Septicemia is... Apparently, from what I've heard, extremely painful and extremely dangerous. Is that not sepsis? Yeah, they sound it's, the same. yeah, it's right. It's a blood. It's like poisoning of your bloodstream, okay. basically. Yeah, it's it's very dangerous. So his father took him to the emergency room where he told the staff about his blood that he had injected, and so finally they end up sending him to a psychiatric hospital. I was um, going to say, like, is he not telling people he's doing this? Like, he knows better than to be announcing it to his friends and family? Yeah, I think he probably hadn't told anybody until he was in the hospital and they were like, why Wow, is your blood poison? And maybe he explained it. Imagine um, the nurses that went home that night. Oh, like, boy. I'm sure I, I know nurses probably get crazy stories all the time, but I feel like that one takes the cake that one's pretty wild especially if later on a few years down the road you turn on the news and you're like uh-oh yeah I know that guy, you know yeah 
Um, so he tells the staff they send him to a psychiatric hospital. They send him to Beverly Manor Psychiatric Hospital in Sacramento. Uh, at this point, talk about insensitive. He's nicknamed Dracula. And it is d- conflicting sources say he was called this either by the staff or by fellow patients. I like to think Oof. the staff didn't do that. But, you know, never know. You never um, know. Staff once found him with blood smeared on his face, and they found out that he was sitting at the windowsill and capturing birds and beheading them. Holy shit. Wow. And drinking their blood. So he's also, so that's a new layer to the mental illness in my mind, or is it? Because, so he knows he's getting sick from doing this and now it's not stopping him which gives makes me feel like there's a whole new level of i don't care like i don't like think part of it is that he thinks he's keeping himself alive this way almost like the only reason because he's replenishing his blood supply you know and so he keeps doing it even though one time when he injected it he got sick yeah uh but yeah wow 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 i also i it it really has graduated from being like a toxic masculinity thing of like i need it's like so he's not even doing this anymore for an erection he's doing it because he thinks the his blood is powdering away right it's right exactly like it almost started as that and then turned into something you know and then you know he would the i think again i'm not a a mental health expert i'm not any expert but um or a medical provider but i think the fact that he was dealing with that as a teenager and then you know schizophrenia usually kicks in when uh for boys or for men around like that 28 years old 20 years old um and so i could see that that could have morphed into Mm -hmm. something way bigger um just horrifying so they catch him doing this in his uh room with the birds and this is actually interestingly um reminiscent of a character in dracula like the book by bram stoker um who is named renfield and basically spends his time luring insects and birds into his room to like eat and kill them so strangely enough they're calling him dracula and he's known for this obsession and he does this odd behavior that the character in dracula does so kind of kind of weird um this is not good I mean, none of it's good. In the hospital, he has access to therapy dogs. Not sure who allowed that when he is known for harming animals. Um, And he starts stealing syringes and extracting blood from them. Uh, I don't... He did not kill any of these dogs, I don't believe. Um, So at least there's that. But he was... I, sorry, I know, I know. It's no, like, no, no, no. Like Ask the way. I might not have answers, but it's worth I asking. I can't cause... imagine you will. I'm just screaming into a void at this point because it's like. But you're probably saying what everyone else is thinking, <laughs> you know? So. Maybe. I just, I feel like, I don't, I don't know what it's like to live like a paranoid schizophrenic. I don't, I don't, I don't have that knowledge, but I feel like even if you think, oh, I need, I need more blood so that way I can put it in my body you would think like there's at least the fear of cross contamination of like, if you really think like, Oh, I need more blood. I feel like I would still think like, Oh, if I need blood, if I do too much blood, then that might be bad too. Like, but obviously, obviously this person is not stable. Yeah. I don't think there's really a clear line. Of I know. I know. I would foresight I would at, and hindsight. I would at least think if I need more blood without cross contamination, I need human blood. In which case it, 
you know, then you're a well, literal Well, don't worry. Serial. That's kind of where we end up. So uh, Okay. Okay. Well, I don't know why I'm surprised by that. But I, I just feel like there's like the, of all the illogical things happening here, the most logical one is to streamline human blood with human blood. And so the animal blood is just, and mixing it all together and just being desperate for blood at all, that feels like a whole other level of desperation. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. There's no right words. I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy deeply, making. deeply, deeply disturbing. Um, And the fact that he's, you know, moved from wild rabbits, which obviously also disturbing, but to like people's pets, pets. like therapy dogs, pets. it's, it's gets, and it just gets worse folks. Okay. It's just getting, it's getting more and more, um, I don't want to say like I don't care about the bunnies or the birds, but like it's beca- it's getting closer and closer to home for me, I think. Yeah, and it becomes yeah, I mean it's getting more out of our comfort zone. <laughs> That's uh-huh. another wrong way to put it, but you I mean you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like catching wild animals is different than taking someone's pet and harming them, obviously. Yeah. So um so he was <sighs> prescribed Thorazine, which is a powerful tranquilizer. Um although it was suspected that his problems might also be symptoms of heavy drug abuse. Uh, and so that was something that they couldn't really alleviate at this psychiatric hospital. Um, but eventually his behavior did seem to improve and he was released into the custody of his mother who decided to take him off of his medications and began to wean him off of the medications. Why she did that? Not sure. Uh, and when he became unstable again, she moved out and left him on his own with hmm. no medication. So great. Yeah. We can imagine that this didn't go well. So he stopped taking care of himself. Uh, no bathing, no grooming, barely any eating apart from like the animals he was catching. Ugh, uh, wow. So he's, he's stuff- just like almost on a strictly blood diet now. Yeah. He's just like eating raw animals. How uh, did he- Honestly, it's shocking. He didn't just drop dead. It's really amazing that this septic thing, sepsis, happened once and not every every week. I feel like. Well, I mean, also, like, I'm even afraid of, like, eating cooked steak that's a little undercooked. Like, right. but, like, this guy's just chugging blood. It's just so wild. Like, like, I just. How is yeah. he living? How? I have no freaking clue. Um, he basically just continued to capture, kill, and consume animals. Um, he began to capture dogs and cats from the neighborhood okay that's where we're heading next yeah and uh he even got some at pet stores oh for god's sake okay Okay, that's the end of that i promise uh a neighbor did say later oh i saw him just carrying different animals into the house and but never reported it hey see something say something folks okay even especially if it's about helpless animals all right okay Uh, at some point, Richard showed up at his mom's house with a dead cat. We don't know whose cat it was or whether it was her cat or his cat, but he showed up with a cat. And in front of his mother, he threw the cat on the ground, opened it up with his bare hands, put his hands inside of the cat, sm- smeared the insides on his face and drank the blood all while screaming. Oh, and why was the screaming the worst part of that for me? Just like screaming at his mother. Right. Yeah. It just adds some weird, like animalistic, horrific thing to it. Um, His mom closed the door uh, and never reported the incident to anyone. 
honestly, I mean, fucked up. I'm not saying it's not fucked up, but also, can you imagine seeing your family do that? Like, what the fuck do you do? I mean, I would like to think I would report it, but I think I'd be so scared for my own life at that point. I'd be like, I would just be scared for my child. I'd be like, yeah. my child is ill. I need to, you know what I mean? I, at least I like to think that's what I would think would feel. But I mean, you know, it's hard to judge somebody else when you don't know their I, experience. I think I'd be, I think I'd be scared in just a lot of ways all at once. It'd be I'd, terrifying. I'd be, I mean, I obviously don't have a baby, so I, I don't have that from a reference. Um, but even if it were you, I'd be like, what the fuck is going on? Are you okay? But then also, I guess with their history of like him clearly needing help and her clearly not supervising him. It's not surprising necessarily that I don't want to say, I don't want to say she's a bad mom because I don't know what she's like, but it sounds like there's been a lot of incidents where like it was clear he needed to be monitored and, and neither of his parents really did anything they seem to be okay i don't know i don't want to i don't know their parenting style all i know is what i'm hearing and it doesn't sound super hot doesn't sound like i would get advice from them yeah i feel like if anything has ever been described as a cry for help uh here's one a big one yeah i I don't know but i don't know maybe he was just trying to scare her and it worked but and she never reported it ever not even later or well Well, i I mean yeah we know it now but like at the time you know, she didn't report it. And again, like, who, I, I guess on the other hand, like, who do you report it to? I mean, yeah, was was hurting. I don't know. You might not know this either. At what point did like hurting animals become like a, a, a law? Like, I don't. So they're, they're actually they do touch on that later. And I bet nowadays it's different. But I think in the 70s, there really wasn't probably much protection for. So like animals. F- realistically, like, even though it looked real wild the cops might not have been able to hold them on anything i yeah i imagine like what are they going to prove whose cat it is yeah i imagine like hmm. that might not be the most effective thing to do and then as far as like a psychiatric thing it's like he's a grown adult now yeah uh, so i i told i do get why like how would you go about this but at the same time i feel like i wish i just wish let's just say i wish <laughs> yeah. somebody had given him the help he needed <sighs> it's so, certainly it that's the poster child story for uh see something say something yeah like, you're yeah. watching him rip a cat open with his bare hands yeah yeah eat it maybe call somebody at least I a know. friend a friend <laughs> let a friend like, know feel like do don't you have me. any advice i don't want to <laughs> know don't yeah. call me <laughs> yeah uh yeah so you know just really sad really scary um Clearly in need of a new hobby, Richard decides he's going to start collecting guns. Whoa! Hey, could it get worse? Yep. Yep, here yep. we go. In 1977, police pro- patrolling the Nevada desert found an abandoned car covered in blood uh, with men's clothes and two rifles inside, along with a bucket filled with blood and a liver. Uh, by a nearby lake, they found Richard Chase naked and covered in blood. He tried to run away. They caught him. After arresting and interviewing him, police determined the blood and liver belonged to a cow that Richard had shot with one of his rifles. Um, but since there was no human victim, kind of going off what you were just saying, mm. everything was dismissed and he was set free. Well, shit. So it's like... Uh, I don't know, Em. I don't know. 
I got nothing. Usually we've got something. I got nothing. Got nothing. And um, so now, I mean, we'd see he's graduating from uh, dogs and cats to bigger animals, which we can only imagine what happens next. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost, I, I, I don't, I wonder if he was testing it with a cow, like a bigger person. That's what I think is happening. Yeah, he like used sizing his, it up. He used his guns to shoot it and see mm-hmm. if he could overtake it. Yeah. So on December 27th, 1977, he attempted his first murder. He drove around Sacramento with a new 22 semi-automatic pistol. Uh, he randomly spotted a woman named Dorothy Polinsky through her window in the kitchen while she was doing dishes. And he fired at her from his car, thankfully missed her head by an inch. Whoa. Uh, it went through the window, through her hair. And got lodged in a cabinet. So it's just like that time when like there was like a stabbing or shooting and it hit the guy's car keys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The or it's like it just hit your hair. Like, so now you've just got like a chunk missing and now you can look at where a bullet almost hit you. It's terrifying. Yeah. It went through her hair and hit a cabinet and he drove away. Two days later, December 29th of 77, Richard saw Ambrose Griffin, age 51, a father of two, unloading groceries from his car in his driveway. Richard drove past, shot him twice. Uh, One bullet missed, the other hit him in the chest, and he fled the scene. Paramedics arrived, and Ambrose was still conscious, but he died shortly afterward. Uh, At first, they thought it was a heart attack, but then they they saw the bullet because they just didn't even realize what had happened at first wow. um and so finally you know they they are looking at this as a shooting and they first think this must be random but then they realize that the bullet in ambrose griffin's chest was the same as the one in dorothy's kitchen cabinet so they're like okay somebody mm, i was gonna say how did we know that dorothy people. was this guy i yeah I, I was gonna ask how we like knew he was involved yeah bull- they matched the bullets gotcha. uh so nearly i mean they, they wasn't much else they could do at this point so they match the bullets they know it's the same person but not not much else to do also i like your 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 cackle witch shirt do you like my shirt yeah i was gonna say it earlier but there never seemed to be a good time (laughs) because things were too fucked up there's never a good time no So nearly a month later, January 23rd of 1978, married couple Robert and Barbara Edwards came home and discovered Richard Chase standing in their home. He had found the door unlocked and had let himself in. Uh, He ran away, but the house, when they looked, was in shambles. He had peed in a drawer where they kept their baby's clothes. Whoa. And then he had defecated on the baby's bed. That's interesting because I... I don't know if that's, I mean, I'm st- everything that's coming out of my mouth is, I don't know if this is mental illness or I don't know how to explain mental illness, but um, I feel like that almost feels intentional because it feels so not part of his usual mission Yeah, of like, I'm here for the blood. I need the blood. But like to have done all that other stuff is like, I feel like there's a whole other th- scenario that's come up in his mind or yeah. it was just like it. I don't, like that feels so out of character. I almost wouldn't give that an MO for him. Yeah, I know. It's only the fact that they saw him standing there that kind of yeah. pinned him to this too. Cause it really is it's random, but again, you know, he he's all this is random. Unwell. Yeah, and a lot of this doesn't totally make sense in the traditional way. So he later Richard later said in an interview that he 
Now get where the or tell me if this rings familiar. He takes an unlocked door as an invitation into a home. He said, "Yep, that'll do it." That's <laughs> do you know. Does that remind is that, you? Of- is that um? Uh, I know it's one of the big ones. Is it Richard Ramirez? Oh no, I was just saying it's like a vampire. <laughs> oh, that's no. There's like a serial killer too who also said like, "Oh, well, the door was open and just yeah." Took it that's as- uh probably. Probably uh, any of those set guys from the 70s, I feel like it's probably. They all just really liked unlocked doors. But no, it definitely also feels like a vampire. Although, it's sort of, although he'd have a to vampire, be welcomed in. You had to invite, invite them in. But still, yeah, I, I do. I feel, see what you did there. I do feel a little bit like, oh, that's creepy that he felt like, oh, well, I've been welcomed into this home because they left the door unlocked. It's like, oh, yikes. Like he yikes. took it as the invitation. That as a the vampire sign. Might... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As like I'm the welcome, you. you know. Creepy so uh he said if he reached a door that was locked he would conclude that he was not welcome in that home and he would move on i mean how fucking scary is that which like just psa to everyone lock your goddamn doors <laughs> please please if there's just anything you take from this podcast for just lock all your you, damn doors for all you know a serial killer is going to leave you alone because your door's locked right and walk away i mean but then again i guess you could argue that there's probably one out there who would only want you if your door was locked. I don't know. It's That's all bad. fine. Just lock your door. Just it's all bad. <laughs> it's all bad. Uh, so a woman named Jean Layton reportedly at some point watched Richard walk up to her house, try her door, which was locked, check all of her windows, also locked, and then just walk away. And she's like, "That was really weird." And then later it was like, "Holy shit!" Like, thank God I locked all the windows and door. Yeah. And this is the seventies. Like people didn't all lock their doors back then, you know? No. <sighs> So January 23rd, 1978, Richard entered the home. Oh, Blaze. I just said Blaze. I mean, M. <laughs> this oh. is what I was researching this earlier and I was like, Blaze, this is so fucked up. Uh, but now I just have to tell you, M. But thanks. Yeah, I I'll be Blaze. It. I'll be Blaze for right Blaise, now. Blaze, hold my hand. <laughs> uh, so he broke into the home of 22-year-old Teresa Wallen, who was three months pregnant. Oh, he God. He shot and killed her. He then took a knife out of the kitchen and stabbed her. No, he did not do that. Thank God. Okay. But thank you for saying it out loud so that we all had to think about it. Okay. Uh, He stabbed her heart, removed uh, some of her organs and sliced off one of her nipples. Oh, shit. Okay. Then he, this is just so beyond. He used an empty yogurt cup out of the trash can to scoop up her blood and drink it. Okay. Dare I ask what happened with the baby or was oh, i mean obviously well, the baby I, died i mean she was only three months pregnant so yeah there was not so he might have not even that. known that she was pregnant is what you're right saying. yeah yeah okay i thought that was i in my mind she he was aware and something was going to also happen to the baby which... no i think that was just part of oh wow well let's just make this even more fucked up uh and throw in the fact that she was pregnant of course so um there's I, more that he does oh, here. Okay. So um he engages in acts of necrophilia uh with Teresa's body. Then, as if that weren't fucking horrible enough, he goes outside, collects dog feces, and puts it in her mouth. Okay. Um Okay. That's all. I'm sorry. I, I'm still I'm still in my own head of like trying to like figure out why and like I don't I, think I, I need to a... I know I know I know I just I my brain doesn't understand I think all. like humans yeah I feel like we want to like put 
like explain things and put them in a box, but I think this is uh mm. not one that's gonna happen. Um I don't I really got nothing. That's that's a rough one. Yeah, it's uh it's bad. So Teresa's husband David uh came home and found her like that. Oh can my you God. imagine? No, uh, I can't. responding police officers were at a total loss. One of them later called it the most bizarre thing he had ever seen. Um, they couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on. There was like a yogurt cup. There were there were these like bloody ring marks on the floor near the body, which resembled the water stains a glass makes when you set them to set it down on a table. Right. Uh, the killer wore gloves to commit the crime, and he also cleaned the knife he used and then put the knife back in the kitchen. And is he also like so with the cow? I don't know if there was like a bucket of blood. Mm-hmm. And with this one, there was like he was just drinking out of a little cup. So like, mm-hmm. is there is his goal anymore to be drinking as much blood as he can, or is it that's not even part of this anymore? I think I think the blood obsession is continuing. I think he just is adding on to it. Yeah, it seems like it's just gotten bigger oh. and more complex. Okay. Um, sure. So two days later, a dog was found having been shot and killed with the same ammunition that Teresa had been killed with. Uh, The kidneys of the dog were missing. And finally, somebody reported something and the sheriff's department noticed the similarities between the dog, Teresa's killing Dorothy and Ambrose Griffin, the same bullets. They theorized that the killer lived within a square mile radius of all the crimes and they determined the killer was thought to be disorganized uh, and classified by the FBI as an impulsive blitz killer, a murderer who acts alone and without a plan. So I think that pretty much sums it up. Like he did not have a plan. He was doing it alone. There wasn't really forethought to this. Uh, So they got that nailed down. Uh but it's not over yet. Four days after Teresa's murder and a mile south in Marywood Drive, Richard entered the unlocked home of 38-year-old Evelyn Maroth, who was babysitting uh, her 22-month-old nephew, David. Uh, Her friend, Daniel Meredith, had taken her six-year-old Jason shopping for snow boots so he could go on a trip with the neighbors. Uh, Richard found, walked into the house, found Evelyn upstairs and shot and killed her in the hallway. Um, he took Evelyn's body to a bedroom where he attempted to remove one of her eyes. Uh, police noted from the scene that he had found extreme sexual gratification from all of this. So maybe that was part of it, that his impotence was no longer an issue. You oh, know yeah, how I some, didn't even think about that. You know how some killers get basically get off on the violence mm-hmm. and the gore? Um so they think that might be part of it is that he was also solving that problem for himself. Yeah. Um, I know that I hadn't even thought about the fact that like it was now almost like uh, reinforcing his beliefs if he's now able to actually. Yeah. Good point. Em. It's like, oh, now you have enough blood. To I hadn't be even able thought to of it that way. Do what you have always wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I Yikes. hadn't even thought of that that way. So then um, it just so it, sorry, but then it just encourages him to keep killing because if he needs to right. keep getting enough blood he to be able to do that and then basically maybe he thinks this is the only thing keeping him going and keeping and you him said alive. he is um r-wording them also yeah uh correct so i wonder if he's doing that as like to prove that he's finally accomplished this 
horrible. Yeah, or if he's just like, wow, look, it's it's working. It's working. Yeah. Yeah. Um very 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 fucked up. Uh but it's not over because then Daniel Meredith the friend came home with the little boy. And Richard shot and killed both of them. Okay. Got it. Uh he then went back to Evelyn's body, stabbed her multiple times, uh drank her blood <laughs> out of her stomach. Then he got into Daniel's station wagon, which had just been parked there, and uh, fled. I feel like nothing you say anymore is surprising me, but I did. I feel like you said something about an eyeball. It's all now discombobulated in my head now. I, But I feel like very few things are surprising me, but I did think, oh, it can't get worse than people. And now it's children also. Yeah, so the, it's almost like it it's getting worse. escalating to points that you can't even see coming. Um, yeah. So a concerned neighbor called the police. Um, I mean, there were multiple shots. Uh, and the same first, this is this guy, uh, I hope got some intensive therapy because the same police officer who had shown up first on the scene at Teresa's murder showed up here uh, and found the same bloody rings on the floor and finally mm. realized, oh, this guy's drinking the blood. That's why the rings from like a cup being set down over and over are showing up. So weird that it took two instances for that to get figured out. I think, but like, why would you assume that? You know what I, I mean? Like, it's such a rare thing. Like, why would you be like, what are these circles of blood on the floor? And there was no DNA yet, right? Uh, there was DNA. There was just no way to okay. trace it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. That was a good uh, joke. Good joke. Uh, yeah, it's hilarious. I know. Um, you really found a way to insert humor in. Thank you, because I was at a goddamn loss. I know. I'm but, sweating so much because I was just so horrified. But there was there story. was no way to trace DNA. Okay. Because I was going to say like, that's a perfect match with a little sip of the cup and all that, like on the like a mouth DNA situation. Yeah, but I guess also if it's just filled with blood, like. Oh yeah, that's. I okay. don't know if you're going to be able to find. I mean, he was prepared enough to wear gloves so he was not leaving fingerprints behind so there was he was certainly leaving spit behind though but yeah I, you're true. right if it's mixing with blood like how with, I don't, yeah whatever with such a gory scene mm. um so oh god so this is when they're like okay great this guy is literally drinking blood and setting the cup down and then picking it up um so daniel's stolen station wagon was found near the scene of the crime which was not far from richard's home uh and as you can imagine, this whole area, people's sense of safety was like turned upside down, violently shaken. Um, the entire community was on edge. There was no like pattern. It wasn't like, oh, he attacks only women or, oh, there's like something specific he's looking out for. And so anybody could be the next victim. I did think it was interesting that one of his first gunshot victims was a man. And I, I do wonder if any of it, this still traces back to his impotence of like, oh, that looks like a strong man who has two children. He clearly can get it Oh, up. yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't think he knew about the children. I think that was oh. another thing with the pregnancy where it was like, oh, father of two. He was just out in the driveway. Gotcha. Let's humanize him, even though I, it makes gotcha. it more fucked up. But I don't think he knew that. I thought that he was aware that it was a father. But I, yeah, no, I think it's right. more. That's a good point, though. But I think it's more of just like an opportunity thing. Like he just saw him unloading gotcha. groceries and was like. Which is not not that I think that like people should be 
targeted, but it also the the reminder that someone could just do something at random because you're the one there is just so scary. Yeah, it's the same as with um mm. to me at least. It reminds me of the um Israel Keys story of like there's no rhyme or reason you can't even yep. pretend that you're prepared you can't even trick yourself into thinking you're safe because yeah. you just don't know um so the the pattern was unclear to everybody um richard seemed to just appear suddenly randomly kill indiscriminately no matter who you are man woman child cat dog doesn't matter uh the fbi formed a profile they described uh the killer as a loner Someone who was slovenly malnourished. Well, yeah, they hit that mm. one right on the head. Yeah. Uh, possibly, but not likely, living with parents, but otherwise alone, as well as having a history of mental illness and drug abuse. Ding, ding, ding. Mm -hmm. uh, police released a composite sketch of a man who had been seen acting suspiciously in the neighborhood days earlier. Uh, several witnesses described the man in the sketch as disheveled and wearing dirty clothes. They didn't realize at the time that the dirty clothes were actually just blood stains on all of his clothing. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. But thankfully, this sketch worked because Richard's former high school classmate, Nancy Holden, recognized Richard in the sketch. And so when the police looked into his arrest and hospitalization history, they started putting a profile of him together. A detective compared the composite sketch to a previous mugshot of Richard, um, and the mugshot actually had a mustache and goatee, so the detective drew them on to the sketch and went, aha, yep, there he is. <laughs> okay. So they eventually knocked on Richard's door. They got no answer, and so what they did was they pretended to leave, but they oh. hid out and stalked the door until he left. Uh, ah, I see. And he walks out the door like out of a horror movie covered in blood oh my god wow just like just non-stop wow non stop this guy not even hiding it not even a little bit uh the police arrested him they found daniel meredith's wallet in his pocket so ding 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 pretty much smoking gun he also had uh the bucket he used to carry Evelyn's blood from the scene along with mm. the 22 caliber pistol that was linked to all the bullets they had found uh, in the interrogation room, Richard revealed nothing. He didn't acknowledge the murders or that incident in Nevada with the cow where he was discovered naked. Yeah. Uh, and then once dogs were mentioned, he scoffed about being in trouble just for a bunch of dogs, quote unquote. Oh, shit. Which is like, uh, buddy, there's a lot more happening here than just that. Yeah. Oh, and then wow. apropos of nothing, he blurted out, Irish setters are the best. Oh. Isn't that horrible? Yeah. Mm, it's the absolute worst fun fact ever. I'm so sorry, everybody. Uh, officers, meanwhile, searched Richard's apartment. Uh, they found nearly every inch of his entire apartment covered in blood. Just like fucking The Shining elevator yep. scene basically Holy shit the kitchen was especially macabre uh except the knife drawer which was clean and orderly and described as like surgically clean this knife drawer so weird yeah he never this is horrific cleaned the blender so he had never <gasps> cleaned this blender so it was also like dirty moldy old organs all blended oh, yeah. up with your new ones oh yeah and they said the smell was i mean there's not even a word for it probably but 
<laughs> just thinking about it. Yeah. It's like sickening. Um, they found several pet collars in the kitchen. Mm. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, and inside the fridge, they found several body parts. They also found human brain matter on Richard's bed. Wow. Uh, he appeared for trial in 1979. Prosecution sought the death penalty, but defense fought for second degree charges, pleading insanity. The argument basically boiled down to whether or not the crimes were premeditated. And because he wore gloves, uh, cleaned a knife to cover his tracks, the jury felt he was sane enough to know right from wrong. Right. And they found him guilty on six counts of first degree murder. He was sentenced to death by gas chamber. Uh, and in prison, Richard's fellow inmates were terrified of him. And so I sure. guess, understandably, I guess the way that they decided to approach this terror was to goad him into taking his own life. Oh. Uh, and so they were always telling him to take his own life. And he secretly stored his daily medication, these tranquilizers, until he had enough to take at once to overdose. So on December 28th, 1980, uh, Richard Chase died by suicide at the age of 30. He was only 30. Mm. Wow. After all that. Yeah, in my mind, he was like a six-year-old man at this point. Like, yeah, he had yeah. Lived there's such a crazy life. Yeah, there was so much, so much happening. Um, and it's really fucking sad on so many levels. And just alone, the the mental illness alone is just so tragic. But then on top of that, the number of people that were just number of people and animals that were hurt and killed and lives ruined just because you know this person could not get any help it's just very 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 gruesome and horrific and i'm so sorry that i brought it to you today em well i feel like you've done a good job of holding off on it for a while it yeah. was kind of bound to happen it's been a while since i did just like a super duper fucked up one i think i, I feel like i just don't remember what i did recently but i i don't either i i think this is it's one of the the blessings of being so forgetful. I, it's nice to know in a couple of weeks, I won't, I won't have this stored in my head for much longer. Yeah. But uh, it's still not a, it's not man. quite as horrific as the Cletus Hem story, but yeah, I was wondering if there'd be a Cleo fisherman, uh <laughs> Chloe fisherman. I don't know. Cameo I wish at some point, I wish she charges a lot for a cameo. <laughs> so tell How Linda, much? how much, <laughs> $69. I was good. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't do 666. $666. Um, by the way, one of the things that Christine got me for um, my birthday was a Pokemon card of myself, and the weight on it was 666, <laughs> just so we're clear. I forgot the birthday exchange was only on Patreon. Yeah. So if you want to see the fun gifts. <laughs> it wasn't even a birthday exchange yet. We haven't done your presents yet. I'm oh, still waiting right. for them. I'm still waiting for them to be relocated to Rerouted. me. So uh-huh. It's very obnoxious, but... Uh, I don't need any presents. In, in due, okay. In due time, uh, you will have a surprise gift-giving extravaganza, That's so I fun. Um, you really fucked me up today. Uh, I know. And I was really upset this morning, and now I did it anyway. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry enough to not have done it, but I, I am sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Honestly, that's kind of the whole purpose of this whole show. It's oh, like, I know. I'm going to rock your worlds in the worst way. And 
unfortunately, you're going to be stuck with that feeling. And then I'm going to hang up and leave you to it. <laughs> Toodaloo. Just Toodaloo. enjoy your time. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I'm very glad that um, here it's almost eight o'clock, so I can really go downstairs and have a nice stiff drink because I need oh, it. Oh, good. Oh, you know? good. I'll certainly find a nice bowl of carbs and do something with that, I think. <laughs> um Oh my goodness. Well, also check out uh check out our bonus content if you're on Patreon to hear all about uh some extra birthday behind it's the scenes. It's a little palate cleanser, you know. Uh really it's gonna be a really thick palate cleanser this time. Yeah. It's gonna yeah. be uh it's gonna feel a lot better than how I feel currently. Yeah, yeah, let's hope so. Oi 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 and that's why we drink. <laughs> BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. <laughs> 